Beautiful people of the internet, welcome to the BRB AFK podcast. I am your humble producer, Boston McCown. Joining us as always in the Zencaster Studios is the time being, Scott. Hello, hello. And our uh, ever so graceful host, uh, Mr. Ryan Shipley. You flatter me. Um, so, so I'm super tired tonight, so I can't think of a great song that we started the episode with. Scott, what did we start the episode with? What you song did Boston what just play? Last time. I couldn't even come up with a single song. You have I... to come up with a song. There's, millions, <laughs> there's literally millions okay. of songs out there. Okay, okay. So I will pick my favorite song of all time. Okay. Are you ready for it? Yes. It's Under the Bridge by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Okay, that I was so worried you were going to say, like, Barbie yeah. Girl. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Pony by Genuine. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good song. Um, it tells a story. I like songs that tell a story. Right, um, right. That one tells a story about ponies, right? That's a, that's a song <laughs> yes. about ponies. Yes. Um, and can I say, Boston, and this isn't me trying to be, like, uh, propagandist or anything or not, but your voice sounds sexier since you've got the vaccination. Ooh. Uh, yes. Uh, ever since I got my Fauci ouchie, I am feeling divine. Yeah, and, and you got the one and done, right? Yeah, the one and done from uh, Jansen. Oh wait, are we talking about dates or our vaccinations? Vaccinations yes. right now. Oh, 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 my bad. The one and done. Oh. Off. And what's good right now is you got it at a great time because now you can go. To, is it Krispy Kreme <laughs> that's doing the promotion? Where if uh, you go in and show your vaccination card, you get a free donut, and you can do it nice. <laughs> every day for the rest of the year. You'll end up with diabetes, but <laughs> you did spring already. Yeah, right. this is the bad. I was gonna say, ooh, speaking ooh. of diabetes, but this doesn't that doesn't really no, work. No, I, have an idea. I have an idea. Boston can do it for the, like to the, feed the homeless. Oh, go every day and give what? us a random, post, random homeless person a donut. If we give, if we give all, every everyone, every all the homeless people diabetes, then we'll, we'll fix the problem. <laughs> yes, because they'll eventually just die right. off. That would be so weird. You wake up a homeless person and hand them a Boston cream. <laughs> <laughs> right that's just weird okay all right so speaking all right, all right. speaking of uh promoting and advertising things uh, <laughs> our guest on the podcast today is uh michael king welcome Yay. hey hello michael. i was just welcome. over here craving a boston cream uh, <laughs> well we did this all for you i can help you out with that later yeah i was thinking okay it's one donut you get one donut that's it but no if you go to their website it's like you can come in every day Dang. Oh. All right. And I can't imagine they're going to keep that for long because, you know, there are people that when they'll do like every year, like, hey, come here, you'll get a, a free sandwich. And then are like uh, IHOP will do like one stack of pancakes. Sure. And people will wait in line for two hours for that one stack of pancakes. Yeah. I don't, I there, don't need something free that bad. <laughs> there are going to be people that are going to be waiting in line every single day to get that, that get that get that uh donut that it's good donut. popeye's chicken brought out that chicken sandwich you yes. know beforehand, those employees loved working at popeye's because nobody ever went to popeye's <laughs> chicken and then suddenly it's like every day now is busy yeah you know, those people are furious yeah it's like they, i didn't sign up for this shit come on <laughs> it's nonsense <laughs> right yeah uh, and you michael have you had the vaccination yet i have not had the vaccination yet i am due for my first vaccination shot this coming saturday i'm very okay. very excited um which yeah. uh brand um it's one of the two shotters i don't know uh the the moderna okay moderna. that's yeah. the one that uh dolly parton has a part of well i specifically said i wanted dolly's vax so yeah you know, I was i'm not getting the vax if it's not dolly's vax you know i feel good about it i'll just protest i feel good yeah. about it Yep. Yeah, I think she gave them like a million dollars. She probably just walked in and go, okay, honey, here's a million dollars. Cure COVID. <laughs> yeah, right. And I think that's exactly how she would say it, too. 
Yeah. My version of Dolly is just like a just an old gentle lady. Oh sugar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me hold you in my... is problematic. Let's get rid of it. My, my understanding is that she personally will be giving the shot. So I'm Oh, I'm actually... that would be awesome. Yeah. And Boston, like a sucker, went with another one. Now honey, you're just gonna come sit right down here. <laughs> Why does your Dolly Parton sound like a nerd? <laughs> Because I'm a nerd. <laughs> which, which is why you're on our podcast, sir. Yes, 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 yes indeed. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So, Boston, <laughs> did you have any kind of like um, side effects from the shot? Uh, aside from the voice change. Oh. Aside from the voice change. Yeah, aside from being uh, a sexy man beast. Any so, negative side effects. <laughs> right, right. My heart, my heart, my arm hurt a little bit afterwards. Mm. And. Aww. Kim was fatigued. Like she had. I'm thinking memory loss there too. So yeah, apparently there's some memory loss, but that's just normal. I can't remember yeah. what word fatigue means. <laughs> <laughs> so she has. Oh, uh, but like just a day or two, and then every, then everything was back to normal. Yes. Uh, so she's yeah. She didn't have any lasting issues, but she like the, the day after she was exhausted. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, it's deep in the muscle, right? It's deep in the muscle, and you are effectively getting the disease. Like that's how vaccines work. At the end of the day, right? Yeah. So like, you are at the end end of the day getting the vac, you know, getting the get dr- drugged, or getting the the disease, and then you know helping it fight off. Yeah. So yeah, she was she was a little tired. <laughs> oh, I bet so. And that's what you- I like about our podcast. Not only is it entertainment, but you, get, you we provide learning too. Yeah. We do. I can tell you right now, I may have the vaccinate. I may get my first shot this weekend. Um, I have a really nice lady that's my pharmacist at Food City. Dolly Parton? Dolly Parton? I wish. Oh, I oh. wish so much. Oh, man. But she is like the nicest, gentlest soul. And she's going to let me know if they get them on Friday. Can I just say right now, I have to agree with Ryan. I've been with Ryan to his pharmacist multiple times. That little sweetheart. I, I probably would like say, hey, you want to go get married some sometime? <laughs> yeah. just, because she, just because she's that sweet. She is super sweet. She um, is just a precious sweetheart. But here's the thing, Scott. You can't just marry anybody who's sweet. You have yeah. to, There's got to be something there. You can't build a relationship uh, just on somebody being sweet. They have to be oh, a little mean. I thought that's all I could. Yeah. All I needed. Okay. No, you got to have a little bit more than just sweet. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. You know, this is. I'm also this. I'm also the new Doctor Drew. Apparently, they have to be either. Sour or salty? Yes, a little sour. Sweet and sour, or sweet and salty. You just like you just walk up and you got like a rose. You just hold yeah. some roses. Yes, I know. What's I up? know you don't know me, but I'm here with Ron Shipley a lot. You want to get married? I'm here to pick up a prescription and you. Yes, and you and you and pick up your phone number. Yes, pick up your phone number. Yeah, well, but I, she wrote no piece of paper. I could pick it up. Okay, because she dropped it on the floor so she could see yes. you bend down and pick it up. Okay, that's yes. that's, yes. that's 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 is that a that's not a meat cute. Uh, is it what? Say it again. It's not a meat cute. That, that is not only, a only if she worked in the <laughs> only if she worked in the meat department. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The deli. That would be. I like it. And I don't like want to be mean here, but I don't know if I would ever want to date a butcher. <laughs> Build the butcher. 
<laughs> I'm just not sure. I mean, I would be very, very honest with her at all times. Yeah. yeah. Or with them at all times. I would be very. I will just I would say, never lie to them. Ryan, there's. I could disappear. There's a girl yeah. that used to work at our. That we're used at, uh, at a visual fence brand, and she went back to her old apartment, and she's a manager of a butcher, the butcher place in a, in a, in a food store, and she is hot. Who is she? So her name is Amanda. Just first name. Okay. Yeah. She okay. said, just so happens to have my last name too, but it's oh, not, God. there's no relation. So. I know who you're talking about. Okay. And she's a butcher. Yeah. yeah I, I get, I mean, she, like, she managed, I don't know if she actually does the butching part <laughs> the of butcher. a butcher, but she's the, she's a, she's a, 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 man, a manager. Is that the proper term, butching? I, I have no a, idea. I have I no idea. I don't think that's right, Scott. It probably isn't. <laughs> you get home, butcher gets home from a hard day. Man, honey, I did a lot of butching today. <laughs> no. I must have butched like ten pig cows. I don't know. What yeah, to. I don't either. Obviously, now, I don't either. I, I came up with the term butching, so I sure don't know. What but Food City also has the best butchers because they'll do the um, they'll do the uh, the rub for you on the on the steaks. They go ahead and marinate, <laughs> and you'll never cleaver. Oh, sometimes. That hurts. That hurt. Yeah. So, that hurt Boston's soul. <laughs> I, I felt um, it. So I felt yeah. it go. Oh. So oh, when we're tossing out these names of these uh, grocery stores, you yeah. probably don't have them, right, Michael? Where you're at? Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, what names have you tossed out? Because um, like Food City. I mean, for you know what? If I had to guess, if somebody said what's food, I'd be like, it's a grocery store, right? Because yeah. <laughs> so I'm following. I'm following along. If that's your concern, okay. But no, no, it's always <laughs> interesting to me because, like, my um, I have family that live in Maryland, and when you go up there, yeah. all the supermarkets are are different. They used right. to only that was the only place you could get Uts potato chips for the longest time. Right. Like up in the um, Northeast, we had when I was little, we had Wawa. And now I'm <laughs> a Wawa. People are like, Wawa? What the fuck is a Wawa anyway? Yeah, it's, it's, like a, it's adorable. It's like a sort of a little grocery store, corner store kind of thing, if I remember correctly. Who knows if oh. it exists anymore? Uh, but. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of, it's uh, like a sort of a local version of the 7 Eleven. Yeah, kind of a 7 Eleven y, okay. maybe, maybe a little more upscale. No, I don't, I don't know, actually. Now, in, um, depends on who you ask. That's huh. right. Yeah. In Maryland, it was sheets. It's all about sheets. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a Z because it's really cool. Um, and sheets. I remember when I was little, I used to love when I would go to Maryland because they actually had one of the spinner racks for the comic books, and I love <laughs> oh, that. Oh yes. Yeah, and so I would spend a lot of time walking down there and like just reading some comics, and you know, doing that whole pretend like you're pursuing the, you know, looking through the comics, going, hmm, this one looks interesting. You're just gonna read it at the store at the in the sheets. Oh yeah, got mm-hmm. to. Yeah. But we are here to talk to Michael tonight, okay, guys? Oh, I see. We've we've done a lot of silliness, but butch. We've learned a lot about butchering. Butching. Butching. Yes, that's right. Yeah, quit your butching. Yes. Yes. I just like the fact that's what it's called. I wonder how many years <laughs> of schooling they have to go to become uh, a big to, to learn the art of butching. A master butch. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if butcher. it's long as it takes to become a, a sandwich artist. Oh, you're a master butcher. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Sounds rude. Yeah, it sounds a little rude, but I'm I'm all right with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're you know, <laughs> it's what it, it's what it's called. I mean, it's not us. I I think <laughs> I am going to actually get a part time job at a in the butcher section, uh, the meat department, and just like so have that on my, on my resume. But I, I'm going to put uh, what I was a, a butched. I was a butcher. I, I butched <laughs> from uh, January 2020. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> I wonder if they get really good deals on meat. Probably. Sure they do. Sure. Oh, sure, they do. So. sure they do. Yeah, and you know that's a really good way that like you can I wonder if they if they ever like um if they have like any good relationship with like a customer and the customer may like, you know, toss them a little extra money for a really nice cut. Maybe. I mean, in the in the smaller shops, that's usually what would happen. Okay. Although as I remember it it tended to be that like the butchers themselves would get the butchers would grab some of the better cuts, mm-hmm. but then uh, they always would make sure you got the you got the right the right parts. Yeah, I would tell you right now if I was uh, behind the deli there and, and Boston came in wanting some meat and he had that sexy voice he's got now. I'd oh be my god, kinds of extra meat. <laughs> so <laughs> let me ask you guys a question: Do you think the butchers and the deli people like dislike each other? You think like the butchers Ooh. look down at the deli people? I bet they do. Of uh, course, I, bet, I, yeah. I want to say yes. I want to see like a Romeo and Juliet style thing where yeah, where it's forbidden. Like a guy, a, a guy that's a butcher, falls in love with a deli, a deli clerk. I like it. I mean, I'm sure they're upset with them for stealing, stealing their jobs uh, on some level. Oh, yeah, and like you can be a high school kid and run the deli. Right? Hey, Joe Schmo. Yeah, you know, right. But if you're right, yeah, if you're a butcher, a professional career butcher. Although, you're a little, you know when they give you the free piece of meat, that's basically the adult equivalent of getting like a sucker at the bank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's a little meat or like, yeah. 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 Or like when a lollipop they, at the doctor's office or something, you know? <laughs> and it's like, don't even ask if I want that. Just give it to me. I'm going to take it. Oh yeah. Although they've stopped doing that since COVID I've, I've, I've noticed. Oh, are you going to talk about the salmon again now? No, no, I'm not. I'm not going to talk about salmon. So my salmon issues right now are good. Okay. I'm not seeing my nemesis. Did we decide nemesis is right? Nemesis. Uh, nemesis. 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 So I found an entire article about why the, the entire article is why it's not nemesis. Okay. okay. <laughs> why I, is I that? I didn't read it, but oh. that was the headline. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So you're kind of learning. So I'm almost there. Yeah. yeah. Nemesis. Um, oh my god, guys! I, I seriously, just I just I just typed in to Google plural, like I was going to write it in plural, and it <laughs> auto completed it for me. Holy crap! This is this is this is a big question people have. That's apparently mm-hmm. it's the government, man. I'm on. I'm it's in either yeah, right it's it's either a big question or somebody's listening to us right now. Oh my god! Well, I hope people are listening oh, to us. Google. <laughs> I don't because that's we're, sort of not, a point. we're not we're not live, yeah. so that'd be kind of scary. Oh, yeah. that's okay. Well, so that's why we never get callers. <laughs> yeah. I just always thought we were very unpopular, and it really bothered me. Yeah, we, we forgot to tell you that we weren't live when we did this. I'm sorry, okay. it's our fault. But no, that is true. Um, now the deli, though, the worst part about the deli I always find is the number system just completely breaks down. When you have oh, that yeah. many people oh. like there, nobody pays. There attention. are people that will purposely not grab a number and then just try to push their way into the front yeah wow yeah 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 i i always lucked out because uh being six foot tall and 300 pounds most people saw me and were like i'm not gonna get in his way <laughs> that dude's cool i bet his number is 69 <laughs> <laughs> it was more uh you you get between me and that ham and you're going in the cart too <laughs> yeah and and that's my whole thing is if i'm gonna get if i'm gonna make sandwiches for a week i'm going to treat myself to deli meat i'm not going to go like the poor people over there to the cold cut section <laughs> <laughs> those poor people oh, yes nah. boar's head 
Yeah, boar's head all the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, right now, I'm obsessed with their boar's head uh, Cajun turkey. Mm. So that sounds really, good. If you and your little, like, uh, in your adventures, Michael, ever end up getting into a boar's head account, okay. remember me. I'll cash that in. Yes. Yes. Please do. So. Yeah. So actually, uh, we we skipped we skipped we once again skipped a very important step of this podcast. So, what is it exactly that you do, Michael? <laughs> <sighs> um, well, I guess I can actually proudly say that when people ask me that question now, it's like, oh, I'm an actor. That oh. happened. Yeah, yeah, I'm an actual working actor. Um, I I'm a 51 year old fella. So I think I'm like, if correct me if I'm wrong, guys, I'm like, I'm just a, I'm a chunk older than you guys. Like that's about right. Not okay. very, very much. I'm just okay. excited. I'm not the oldest person on the podcast today. That makes me. <laughs> right, yeah. I was going by Ryan's age. I didn't know, you know, what the, yeah. but, um, if anybody's, if anybody's older than Ryan, it's gotta be me. <laughs> but yeah, but, so you're 51. But, yeah. Season. But I, I, I got back into acting, you know, after working a lot of stuff behind the camera and in production and so on and so forth Yeah, for years, just a little over a handful of years ago, just for reasons. And I got back into it and it, it's gone better than I thought it would. Mm -hmm. And um, I do a lot of commercial work. So I've popped up in a lot of commercials mm -hmm. that people see those people who still watch linear television. That is, I mean, I've never mm -hmm. even seen myself. Really? TV, except, yeah. I had a boost mobile commercial that I saw once when I was in a little cafe and it came up over the bar and I was like, Oh my God, it was like really surreal, but I've never seen myself in real time. When that happens, did you start like clearing your throat and kind of like nudging towards the TV, like the people around you? I literally tried to like get my camera out and get a selfie with me in the background before the commercial nice. ended, yes. but I couldn't pull it off. And then, oh. the, but the bartender or the, it was the middle of the day. <laughs> um, so it was more like the woman who was running the whole cafe said, yeah. Oh, I'll rewind it. It's, you know, DVR and you could recreate the moment. Oh, and cool. yeah, but then she realized that the DVR wasn't actually working and functioning and it was a missed opportunity, but it's the Ooh. one time. Yeah. Literally the one time that I've seen my, but the fortunate thing about the internet is that, and Facebook and all that good stuff is I'm constantly hearing from friends, neighbors, relations. Yep. Oh, I saw you in this. I was working out at the gym and you popped up on the, da, 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 you know, so I know it's out there. <laughs> yeah. I know it's getting seen, but um, you know, but but yeah, for the last handful of years, I've been doing that, and then you know pursuing other acting stuff too—a little voiceover work here and there—and and, and um, just you know doing what I can to build up the the acting thing. But but currently, that's what I am. I mean, I'm 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 actually doing it, making money doing it, and um, you know it, it it's kind of cool. I didn't really expect to get back into this. Yeah, because it's like you said, you you got back into it, like um, what some people would consider like later in life. Oh, I would say. I mean, you know, I would say that. It, and the thing was, I was working and, and I had a quite a good career going doing interactive, um, mostly kids games, interactive material for like on DVDs and stuff. I know DVDs are a die. I was a master of <laughs> sort of, you know, obsolete technology. You know, like, so I was doing flash, flash games, like flash casual games and like new ground type stuff. Uh -huh. And, and like, um, oh my God. And then a lot of DVD interactive games on kids titles. So like if you bought a DVD of a, a Disney was a big client and, or DreamWorks. Oh. 
So if you bought a like, DVD, what stuff would you do in it? Like, can you name any of the ones? You oh, did? sure, absolutely. Uh, my one of my the per, one of my my personal favorite one that I did for Disney. I did tons, but the one that I'm kind of like was kind of the coolest experience was I did an interactive quiz game for the release of Brother Bear Two. And and it featured the voice talents of Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas. Whoa! Of, yeah, so I actually oh, yes. yeah, so I actually wrote the script, and then I hired another writer to kind of punch it up, and then I rewrote yeah. it and everything. And then we went into the recording studio with Dave Thomas, who is a childhood hero. I mean, I yeah, used yeah, to yeah. I used to stay up late at night watching TV. You know, like, like when I was twelve or thirteen, I yeah. watched SCTV with the brightness and the contrast turned down so my parents wouldn't see the reflection of the television at midnight or whatever time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obsessed. Okay, so that wasn't just me. Thank you so oh much. Oh my god. <laughs> you know, I'm not alone. Obsessed. Obsessed. Oh. And so, he was a hero. Oh my god. So there I am in a recording studio with Dave Thomas and then they Rick Moranis is in New York. Yeah. And so they piped Rick Moranis in. Oh my god! And so he's Rick. He's there, but he's virtually there. So I, I'm talking to Rick Moranis over the the loudspeaker, and Dave Thomas is right there. And I'm at this stage in my career at this point where I'm trying to be very cool and professional about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So, and there was a Disney rep there, so he did most of the intermediary stuff between the talent. Yeah. But they were, you know. But the thing that was so amazing, I was like, oh my god, they are performing stuff that I wrote. And how and, cool and, is that? And yeah, they are, that's yeah. so cool. And they are performing stuff that I wrote. And then improvising on top of it and improving it, and that, that was, was amazing. Like, if you said, uh, "Guys, uh, please stick to, stick to the script." Stick to the, <laughs> yeah, uh, 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 excuse me, Mr. Moranis, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay, yeah. Um, it's as if it's as if. so. Stick if you could make that word perfect. Thank you. Um, and this scene, brother, Bear is very hungry. Yeah. So, and then afterwards, I got to hang out a little bit with Dave Thomas outside the recording studio, but I was just too, and I was there with the Disney rep. I was just too concerned at that point with like being professional and everything. And now that I'm older, I'm like, you idiot. I could, I should have been like, I should have gushed. I should have let him know. I had, I had a book he wrote on SCTV and I could have brought it and had him sign it. He would have been fine with that. But at the time I was just way too concerned and self-conscious about coming across as unprofessional. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But that, but that was a thrill. So that's an example. And and the thing was, we'd make these interactive games, and it was like a quiz game. And it was hosted by the the two moose, and it was Dave and and Rick, and they're doing doing their voices, eh, and everything. And they oh. <clears throat> and um and then these DVDs come out, and there are these little interactive activities for kids they can play. And then they get forgotten about, like nobody even knows they exist. Like occasionally, mm-hmm. they'd mention them in a review. Yeah. And for a long time, I found that very creatively fulfilling. We, we went on a camping trip once and we, we were doing a camping trip and there was this other family that had a big RV and we got to talking and they're like, Oh, what do you do for a living? And they had two little boys and I told them and they said, Oh, like what sort of things? And I was like, Oh, I did the, um, I, most recent thing I did the thing, brother bear Two with Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas. And, uh, and they're like, Oh my God, we love that game. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. What? They're like we love, it. we have it in the RV. The boys play it all the time. What? And I, and I mean, wow. I'm telling you, I nearly cried because I yeah. was like, oh my god, somebody has seen my work. And yeah. And for a long time, it was very fulfilling to do that kind of stuff. And I did. I, I, I ended up leaving the company that I worked for. I bounced around at a few companies. I kind of became a specialist in that area, and I started my own company. And the dream, some of the DreamWorks games came with me. 
So I okay. so I did some stuff for Monsters vs. Aliens and Madagascar. Nice. Two okay. and blah, blah, blah. so right. and and we were moving into Blu-ray. So I did some Blu-ray games for that and the Cat in the Hat or sorry, um, Cat, uh, Puss in Boots movie. Okay. And so there's games all over these discs that I've created uh, and or shepherded to varying degrees, you know. But over time, it became like less and less fulfilling. Yeah. And just, I don't know, I started to get really cranky and burnt out. When you um, are asked to do like something like, <clears throat> like Puss in Boots, something like right. that, right? Yeah. Do they typically come to you and go, hey, this is the movie and show you like scenes from the movie, like just yeah. to kind of oh, give yeah. you an idea of like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, the, what they're going for? Yeah, usually they'll, they'll let you see an early cut and usually that cut is very primitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you guys kind of know how they do it, of course, the, you know, but um. So it'll be like animatic. Maybe there'll be some final stuff in there. Maybe it'll be. And as we go through it and you start conceptualizing the game, I could actually give them time code. Like I'm going to want the, this animated, uh, you know, asset from this thing and this sound effect from this part and this part. And um, at whatever point it was finished, they would give that to me and I could repurpose the, at those assets to create the game. So we would use actual movie animation. You know, this is, years after cells so it was basically like oh we you get you know here here's the digital file for the 3d character that you can use and play with yeah. and do stuff with and um so it was a real process mm-hmm. and then uh, oftentimes you're working with early versions of things and anyway you're repurposing it and it, you and it, it's basically like the dvd games in particular the technology was like what i refer you know it's choose your own adventure technology because it's very yeah. limited it's like all you can do is go a, B, C, and D, and then there's some bells and whistles like timing factors you can put in or patterns you can put in yep. to make it right. So the, the clever thing about it was understanding sort of the limitations of that shitty technology and yep. <laughs> and kind of reframing it or re, repackaging it or, or, you know, what can I work around? And I found it to be like a really competitive or, or sort of um, uh, it was a real challenging thing to do to make the game fun and interesting, despite the fact that you're working with just like the most basic mm-hmm. technology and logic and so forth. Would they typically tell you like right away, like, Hey, these are the actors you could have for, to develop the game. Or was it just like, if it happened, it happened. Otherwise you would just have to use sound bites from the game. It would, it would be a, a very, a, usually it started with us. Like we would go like, here's some game ideas we've come up with based around the movie, blah, 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 blah. And then you just sort of chip away at it, getting what you can get. Mm-hmm. You know, worst case scenario, no, you can't use any actors, but you can use clips from the movie and maybe you'll hire an actor to play a narrator to talk you through the game or something like that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, so you're and not getting Antonio Banderas to reprise the role of Puss in Boots. Okay. Yeah, the, the Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas thing was a, was a, definitely a, an exception to the rule. Occasionally we get lucky. Like I did some little Einstein games, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, and they dug awesome. Einstein up and brought him back. And they brought him back to life. And I really I, like your script. Yeah, and I got to use the actual kids. I did some Phineas and Ferb stuff, and I think we got to use some of those guys. Mm. <laughs> Do you hear that? Ooh, you you touched a nerve there. Uh-oh. I think Boston loves Phineas and Ferb. Oh, yeah. well, they're, they're great. We did it. Oh, it's one of the best written shows on the on television. Well, I was on the ground floor of that in that the first season I did, I want to say two of the compilation discs that they came out with, at least two of the compilation right. discs. And there are games on, theirs that, on there that we did for for the, those uh, the releases. And I got to go in and meet the creators of the show, Dan, um, I'm going to say their name wrong, Dan 
Pavmeyer. You can um, look on Google and Boston can use editing magic to make you look like I'm gonna, you. Yeah, hold on a second. I'm going <laughs> to go, go on Google. Yeah. So, and it, it's kind of funny because like Phineas and Ferb must have been after my time. But like Boston, uh, Sarah, great. there's so many people that love Phineas and Ferb. Let's let's be let's be clear. Uh, it was after my time too. Yeah, okay. it, it, it really um, is a kind of a. It is. Uh, it's more of a. To me, it's more of a precursor to Rick and Morty. Like that's where really? it's for me. It's got that oh. kind of sensibility. Yeah. Well, Probably it's not. not it's not adult. It's not yeah, at yeah, yeah. all adult. But just that sort of Weisacker kind of like too smart for the room kind of comedy that that sort of transcends the the Disney platform in my opinion. Which one's the duck-billed platypus? Well, that would be um Perry. yeah, Perry the platypus who's actually a secret agent. Okay. Um, right. oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler sorry. alert. Yeah. Spoilers. Dang it. So I got to interview Dan Never watched the show now. Yeah. I got to interview Dan uh Povenmeyer or Povenmeyer, I know I'm pronouncing it wrong. Or and Jeff Swampy Marsh. Those are the creators of the show early on and what they they gave me a tape of the animatic pilot episode that they made Ooh. and I got to interview them and have them, you know, talk about making that pilot episode and we included it on the disc and that was super cool. Um, so, you know, stuff like that. I got, you know, so you of, included the interview, actually the interview with Swampy and Dan. What's that? Say that again. So you included the yes. interview that you have. Okay, that's really cool. Yeah. So we got to meet them and, and knock around the animation studio for that and so forth. And this was like, again, season one. And we did a suite of games on the first disc. It was called the uh, the Backyard Arcade or something like that, where we had like four different games Phineas and Ferb had created. Like, because the concept of the show, Ryan, is that um, every day of the <laughs> summer, these two little genius boys do some wacky adventure that basically it represents an episode in a where does the platypus fall into all this well he's their pet right okay and he seems like a kind of a useless pet but in reality he's actually a a like a, a spy okay <laughs> highly trained secret agent so he has his own like little side stories yeah he's a beast he's the beast story <laughs> like basically usually okay. and sometimes the stories will collide and they're very clever but okay um but yeah and uh so we did that and then we did another suite of games for where it was, we did it like, Oh, it's a science fair. And each, each science fair thing was a different game. So, um, so yeah, that was cool. Uh, yeah. but so you basically kicked around and did that for quite a while. Yeah. And, and, and I kind of, it, it's a very, it was a very niche skill. Like, you know, there were, I know other people who did it too. Obviously there were other companies that were doing this for Disney and DreamWorks and Fox and, yeah. And I did some of the Harry Potter stuff. I got to work on some of the Harry Potter, uh, movies and a few, yeah, so capacity. I wanted to talk about that. Okay. Because um, everything's going out right now with, with Rowling. Yeah. Did you have to work with her, actually, or uh, was it? Well, that's really super interesting because I w- – hopefully. I mean, if it isn't super interesting, this is a part you can cut. Okay. So, um, <laughs> Boston's hovering over the – He's hovering over right, right now. I assume cut. there's a cut button. Chicken note. He's got the razor blade. Yes. Timestamp. Yes. <laughs> So that's um, into his keyboard. Go away. So I worked at a company that was called Trailer Park, and they're right across the street from the 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 you know the Chinese the Chinese theater in Hollywood. And then over there, we were we worked on the menus, just as Blu-ray and HD DVD was breaking for. I oh God, I want to say it was for 
the Prisoner of Azkaban. I forgot the timing right. I don't remember. And then I didn't get to finish that. I moved over to another company that stole me away. And then turns out I inherited something they had been doing on every disc, Flash-based, guys. You know, R.I.P. Flash. Flash. (laughs) is right. Pour one one out for them. Breaking out the Dreamweaver. Um, And... um, (laughs) So I, I, uh, so what it was, they had like this, this timeline, interactive timeline thing on each disc that got rele- released that were flash based and they were clips of the movie and trivia and questions. I don't, you know, all sorts of like little interactive, yeah. but you know, flash level guys, you know, so, things, you know. Yeah. but, but every year they would take it and then just build on the file and add the next movie and add the next movie. Okay. So around the time of, of order of the Phoenix and by around the time, I mean, on order of the Phoenix, I was over there now as their game producer. So I inherited that project and I had a, a guy over there and, and part of it is that they're, they're writing up the synopses too. As you go through the timeline, you click on a thing and it's like, this happens. And then Harry finds himself over here and, you know, so, um, so, uh, what happened was we were building out the next volume, volume five and there was a website, and God dang it, I can't remember the name of it, but it was a, a fan-run run website that was like the Harry Potter encyclopedia, online encyclopedia, right? Okay. Not the wiki, but something more, you know, very custom, this guy done. And yeah. it was very high profile. J.K. Rowling had even praised it and blah, 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 blah. And it turned out that the people who had done the prior volumes of this interactive game that I was now on the fifth volume of because it was Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. Had just gone to that site and like cribbed all his text, <laughs> like cut and pasted oh. his descriptions, right? Oh no. Right. Right. Which is fine from my standpoint. I'm like, well that was dumb. That's not how I operate, but that's how they did it. So the guy, right around the time we're developing the the volume five one, in fact we may have finished it. I don't remember. He tried to sue Warner brothers. Oh, <laughs> wow. and then JK Rowling had to get involved. Right. Because mm-hmm. she was like, um, yeah, you're trying to sue me for something that I own with Warner brothers. No, you, you can't you know, do that. Basically she, she stepped in along with Warner brothers and called him out on this. And, and I was actually on, one conference call with her and some lawyer. I didn't say anything. I was just in the room. I would have done, I'd be going, ooh, yeah. like that. Like, yeah. yeah. But, but, but it was a weird situation because it's like, yeah, they totally stole his, his text, you know, mm-hmm. but it was all just him regurgitating the stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, and then they just ended back up on a Warner Brothers DVD or Blu-ray. So it turned into this weird thing. Basically, they, they settled something out of court. Mm-hmm. I don't know what. Yeah. So that's the closest I ever got to actually like meeting or working with her, but, mm-hmm. but that is a true story. And, and I wish I could remember the name of the online encyclopedia, but maybe it's best that I don't. Um, yeah. 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 Cause then, cause part of it, she was saying like, I'm developing, this was before she did, uh, or they, they did, what is it? Um, the oh, online yeah. thing. Yeah, the only thing they yeah, have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Potter encyclopedia, whatever. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. They, yeah. yeah. And they, so she was like, you know, in essence, fuck you. I'm, I'm creating one of these for us anyway. So you're yeah. technically, and you know, I could shut you down with, the, with a snap of the finger, you know, whatever. So it yeah. was kind of, kind of hardcore. It was kind and of she's like, you're so lucky you're not transgender. Or yeah. Oh, he destroyed yeah. you. 
<laughs> he, he, <laughs> he would have been dead now. Yeah, yeah. That was the only thing that saved them. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. But obviously, but, this was years before that, and um, we had, you know, no idea how problematic uh, that was at that time. We were all a little undereducated at that point, I think. Yeah, and it's crazy because there's so many people that have to deal with like the whole, the whole. They loved their the books. They grew up on the books, and now they're like, "Oh yeah, can we still enjoy these books? Can we still enjoy buying stuff or looking at stuff that's in this universe when we're supporting somebody like this?" Well, I was a latecomer to the Harry Potter thing, uh, and it was my my sisters because um, I was a full blown adult, obviously when they came out. Um, but yeah. my sister's former mother-in-law, if I've got the text on there, she was like an elementary school teacher and she knew how much I loved Roll the Doll. Like I was always a big proponent of children's literature because it's partly because of the work I was doing, but just as a person, children's yeah. literature that didn't treat kids like kids. So I was like, that didn't dumb it down. It dumb it down. Didn't say, Oh, we don't want to scare them. And so I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like my, when my daughter was old enough to walk, I was like, have you seen Coraline? Boom. You know, well done. Well done. <laughs> Daddy, I'm hungry. You eat once you see this movie child. Yeah. yeah. So I was always a fan of that. So she called me. I remember I was in the Sherman Oaks gallery and I got a call from my sister's mother-in-law going, Michael, Texas, actually Louisiana lady, you, have you heard of Harry Potter? And they were on like the second or third book at this point. And yeah. she, like, you have to read this. I think she and I had, had a conversation about it. So yeah. I was kind of a, you know, an older nerd who got into it and then kind of lost in, I read the first book. I was like, oh my God, wonderful, wonderful. Read the second book. Oh my God, it's the same book. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Like the yeah, second yeah, yeah. felt very derivative of the first. So I think oh, yeah, I, yeah. I think I only read the first two books. But then when I had to do it professionally, like around the time of Order of the Phoenix, I went back and reread them and was like, oh, oh, this is really good. You know, so yeah. it is difficult now because even as an adult, I didn't grow up on them, but I really got to be a major Harry Potter nerd mm -hmm. if for no other reason than the work I was doing. And uh, so, you know, and there's a lot of that now, you know, I mean, I grew up watching and adoring Woody Allen movies, guys. Like, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of my favorite yeah. filmmakers, you know, so it's this conversation now, you know, it's like, can you separate yeah. the person from the from the creation? You know, can you? Yep. God almighty. I mean, uh, Kevin Spacey is as, as an actor myself. I was like, oh, my God, he's literally one of my favorite actors but i don't think yeah. i could watch anything with him in it anymore without just yeah. cringing you know i know yeah I, exactly and I have friends mean. that are huge marilyn manson fans and what's wrong with them no i'm kidding <laughs> i <laughs> agree with that i agree with that it's 2021 why are you still standing for marilyn manson <laughs> but, okay. um, hey pale emperor pale emperor was the shit yeah yeah i'll yeah. take your word for it i have my guilty pleasures i have my guilty pleasures thing that heartbreak is heartbreaking me is I never read any of the Harry Potter books because I'm cool and I don't read. Um, but I did. <laughs> I did. Um, I just read menus. I did listen to all the um, books on tapes because Jim Dill oh, yeah. does a hell of a good job, like um, doing the doing the books on tapes. Um, but I do remember what was the second Star Wars movie, the one where um, Anakin kills all the Sand People. Oh, the second uh, or third? the. That's, that was the Clone, Clone War. War, yeah. yeah that's a, okay. right. And yeah, by the way, remember... that, that's the fifth one, Ryan. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he just pawned me. Um, I'm, but, an, I'm OG. I'm OG. Yeah. I saw. I saw yeah. a new Hope in '77, boys. 
but I remember seeing that at the at the Westtown Mall, and that's not what we were standing in line waiting to get in. There were kids, like probably like ten or eleven, that had this thick ass book, and basically sat in there reading like a giant thousand page book, and it's like not something I would seen my age growing up like the most reading that i ever got interacted with was uh on the playground where we talked about like whatever was happening in gi joe um so to see kids read like that was amazing but for some reason i don't know it's just like she's got a point where she's so rich that she's just out of touch or out of touch but it's just like this is a weird hill to die upon well, I went, I went to, I mean, it's so weird to me because we went, I went to Edinburgh with my family about two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did a whole Harry Potter tour and like, you know, a, a, a big part of it was like, here's where JK Rowling would sit in this cafe and write her Harry Potter, you know? And like, yeah. so it was, it was as much a JK Rowling tour as here's where she got the idea for Diagon Alley. Here's where she stole everything from Neil Gaiman. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. You know, and uh, here's where Tom Riddle was born, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, and, oh my God, I was so into it. So yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, but the notion of going back to, Edinburgh and doing a Harry Potter tour. Now I'm like their whole their their whole their whole um, tourist industry is just crumbling because here's where her hate was born. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just uh, it's just a weird hill to die upon. It doesn't make any yeah. Here's another thing. Like I didn't mention this when my daughter got to a certain age, I started reading before she could really read. I started reading the Harry Potter books to her. It became like our little ritual. Mm -hmm. So. I would read these books and I do, you know, as well as I could different voices for the different characters and blah, 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 blah. And it was this real ritual. We got through, um, we got through all the, did we get, yeah, we got through all the books and right around prisoner of Azkaban, she came in, which is the third book, Ryan. Um, yeah. she came into my, she came into the, 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 and said, daddy, I think, I think I'm old enough to read it by myself. Yeah. And it was like the biggest harp. My wife will tell you. I was like, oh. I was just like, okay, it's fine. I have no more, more use for you, father. Yeah. And then, and I, so it's truly, you know, but, but Hey, you know, this is good. This is what it's all about. And then yeah, yeah, she, yeah. Did, she set off and I was just sort of depressed about it for oh. a month or two. And then yeah. at some point she came back in and said, you know what? I'd rather you read them. Oh, that's awesome. And I pretended not to be. Yep. Yes, you just said, you know, you said no, no. You like, had your chance. I'm reading to your mom now. Yeah, I'm reading to your mom. <laughs> yeah. And so, so we got back into it. And even when she got to the point where she really, truly could and should have been reading those books herself, we just yeah. kept doing it. We just worked our way through all seven books. Ah, uh, that's awesome. Over the that's... course of years, just yeah. stopping and starting and stopping and starting. But we did, and so that's a special memory. And then now there's this addendum of. Oh, and she's, yeah. and, and my daughter's had, you know, trans friends and things already, you know, yeah. this is different, different times, you know? Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, so it's, I don't know. It's, it's a shame. Yeah. It's just, um, it's a weird thing because you would think a lot of like what we consider classic authors. Um, if we, if they had Twitter back then and like the days of Shakespeare and the 1800s and all that, I don't know if we would really still be enjoying them as people. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Shakespeare what? was a, a mm. I did a lot of theater growing growing up and I had a I had a a high school drama teacher who was very uncensored in Texas no less, which was a miracle. 
But, um, <laughs> but, but her, her main thing about Shakespeare was who we loved, you know, we were very into it. She was like, Oh, he'd fuck anything with a hole. That was like, <laughs> <laughs> she'd say that. And, and we were like, what? And sure enough, you know, there's like all these stories about, he was probably lecherous and horrible. Shakespeare. Know. I mean, yeah. He'd fuck anything with a hole. Yeah, I wonder if he, any of his book, any of his uh, his stories were um, inspired by any of his relationships. Uh, yeah, Maybe. if he was like the Taylor Swift Possibly. of his time. Yeah, I mean, have you read any of the son- of his sonnets? No. Oh yeah, whole bunch of uh, um, admissions of guilt in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's like a giant Phil Collins album. Um, I was I was. <laughs> I was inspired to buy his book of sonnets, like Phil uh, Collins. Yes, for the Phil Collins, the Phil Collins book of sonnets. Um, yes. I, I I I was inspired to buy Shakespeare because Patrick Stewart was doing readings from them when the COVID thing hit, and I was like, I too am going to purchase the <laughs> William Shakespeare book of sonnets. That's and awesome. And that I lasted about three sonnets, guys. But mm, yeah, it's, but it, I have the it, book and it looks good. good. It looks good on the bookshelf, you know. Yeah, it was one of those struggles for me in high school when we did Shakespeare and uh, Withering Heights. That was oh, the yeah. other one. I bought the uh, Cliff the Cliff Notes book on that, and I couldn't even read that. I just it just wasn't yeah. my my thing. My daughter, I was into the stand. You know, I, yeah, and you know, what, and there's nothing wrong with. It. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, teachers may disagree, but um, yeah. my my daughter just did Macbeth. She's a sophomore in high school now, and um. And, but, you know, part of the great stuff about that is how real and relevant all the stuff in those plays is now, but it's hard to get through when you're, you don't know what they're saying. So I found this great, you know, comic book version of Macbeth where they have three versions of the comic book. One is like the original Shakespeare as a comic book. One is a slightly dumbed down for lack of a better way to put it version of what they're saying so you can kind of translate and then like a very 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 straightforward english okay and i bought her all three versions of the comic book yeah and i was just like here you know and i think it i think it enriched the experience frankly because now it's like you can really appreciate what's going on and yeah and what grade is she in She's tenth grade. That's uh, okay. sophomore. Yeah, that's got to be weird. Like a ten year, a ten, ten, ten year old, a ten grader, a yeah, tenth 16. grader, She's like uh, in this uh, like social media dominated uh, world that we live in now. And and the COVID year. I mean, this. I, yeah. think, I don't know about you guys, but I think back, like, oh, what was I doing at sixteen? I'm like everything. And yeah, <laughs> you know, and they're just trapped at home. And she's, you know, she's, she rolls with it, but I'm like, oh gosh, you know, it's that sophomore, junior year in high school where, you know, I personally, like that was where, that was where, like, those are the cool years that I remember. Yeah. 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 All those uh, memories that she's not getting. Yeah. It's a shame, but you know, it is what it is. And we're lights at the end of the tunnel. So yeah, we'll get there. So where you're at in Culver city, did they um, even give you guys the option to do in school or is it all just, Hey, you're all staying home. It's all been stay at home. It's all been um, remote. They've just started doing hybrid, like for okay, some of the yep. kids. So like they're starting with the elementary school kids and that's kind of been happening. And now they've put out a a questionnaire where, oh, okay, or would you want them to go to school or hybrid or blah, blah. And um, frankly, at this point, we we were as much as we would love her to get back in the we're like, it's almost counterproductive at yeah. this point to try to shift gears on them like this. So late in the situation, it's, you know, yeah. she's got her 
she kind of has a rhythm going like she, it it was rough, you know, when it started. And then the first semester of this year was like kind of, Oh, uh, real learning curve. But now it's like, she's kind of got it down and I'm, I'm, I'm loath to disrupt it, you know, like let it, let the year play out and then we'll start fresh next year. That's kind of where I'm at. But yeah, hopefully we're in a, you know, better place next year. I think we will be, I think by September, knock on wood, we'll, um, yeah, if, if Scott just keeps his ass under control, we will. Scott. be. I, mm-hmm. I can't. I've tried. Mm-hmm. I'm so I know, tried. Man. So hard. So I, you were you were not a reader, per se, right? But you read The Stand. That's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty. I read stuff that I was interested in. I don't. Sure. I never got into the the prose or any of that stuff of like Shakespeare and the older like I guess what would we consider like the classics? Well, you know, I approve of the stand. So Oh yeah, you're the biggest thing so, I know. I I understand. I've listened to all the episodes. I'm I'm an actual fan of this this podcast. But you guys haven't actually talked about correct me if I'm wrong, we haven't actually talked about the stand miniseries. The more we recent... we mentioned it briefly, but okay. not in any kind of depth. So I, I have yet to watch it because I was waiting okay. for it all to be finished. All right, then I won't say anything. I really wanted to watch the stand, but then I heard how they're presenting it, and that kind of turned me off a little bit because they're starting like when they're already in the town, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and then doing flashbacks. I don't want to say anything. All yeah. right. Well, just just tell tell me this: Do you someone has who has read the book as I have? Do you do they get a, do a good adaptation from the book to the this new miniseries? I'm Did just you like it. In my opinion, I and even though Stephen King was very much more closely, you know, involved. Yeah. Right. My takeaway, and I, I hate, I'm loath to say anything, but my takeaway is like they didn't have faith in the source material mm, from a narrative like standpoint, that. and it I really like that, Michael. upset me, and. Because I think, you know, again, I don't want to get too much into it because there, there, and there are there there are things there were there were things about it that were cool, you know, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Worth watching. Um, but yeah, there. I was sort of like, why would you mm. upset that card table <laughs> so much? Right. You know, when it's so finely wrought the way that story unfolds, it's such it's part of what makes that book work so well, and to be frank, the 1998 or whatever it was, 2000, whatever it was, yeah, TV adaptation followed it much closer. Okay, it, just the way everything unfolds and how you meet the characters and yeah, how they come to each other and all that stuff. I I really was bummed that they, you know, and I'm all for like, hey, you know, oh, let's let's figure out how to make this work. But there was like no reason for them anyway. There were yeah, like there was no reason for them to do that, and I and, and that was my main my main take takeaway and I encourage you to watch it as a fan of the book, of course. And there okay. are things you're going to love the, the, I'll say the actor that plays, um, the, um, the, 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 the big guy, the, the, um, Randall flag, well, Randall flag. He was pretty good. The, 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 I'm just blanking on the name of the character. Ah, uh, the, the mentally, um, yeah. M O O N. M O N. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'm blanking on the character's name. He's Tom McCollin. Tom Colin. Um, oh, okay, yeah. He is phenomenal. The actor. Oh, good. He, okay. And, and in fact, I was like, more of him, please. And it felt like, and then I couldn't be sure because it's been a while since I've read the book, but I'm planning to reread it. I'm on a Stephen King kick right now. But so, um, I saw that. Without spoiling it, would you say the new ending is decent, or did you prefer the old ending better? Um, I I didn't 
I mean, I didn't, I don't feel strongly about it, but I kind of was like, why, why bother with this tact on them? (laughs) You know, they kind of felt, you know, but, but you might, you might like it. You might like it, but um, it it kind of felt tacked on to me personally. Um, And it was funny because I kind of knew there was this different ending and the penultimate episode ends with, uh, (laughs) this isn't a spoiler alert because you've read the book ends with the destruction of Vegas and oh, oh okay and everything and whatever and then there's a whole other episode a whole other episode really? <laughs> yeah where I'm like and I told I said to my wife is like and she wasn't really watching with me but she heard me commenting I'm like there's a whole episode of denouement <laughs> ahead and as wow. far as I knew like from the book it's How? like they basically just come back home and this person's dead and this person isn't and this is what you know but there was a whole other episode of this added on stuff that I, I was kind of like, why again? Source material again. I was sort yeah, of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Source material. That's but, kind um, of odd. Yeah, and yeah. and I'd love. I'll be interested to see when you do watch it. Like you know, yeah. if you're like fine with it, or you kind of like, yeah, hmm, I have that same feeling. Um, yeah, I think I'm, it's just so much television right now. Um, but it's definitely on my radar to watch later on. Like right oh, now, me too. Um, yeah. FX just brought back Snowfall, so that's my big thing right now. Well, and some some of it too is that that. You know, I always frame this with like, but I'm an old guy who read the stand in college and then read it again later. And then so I have certain things I want to, you know, so I get So, hey, great. I have opinions. Uh, yeah. So I was like, and I'm, I'm fine with people. Uh, if it makes you feeling better, Michael, I uh, my favorite book series of all time is the Dark Tower series. By Stephen oh, King. Mm-hmm. I have refused to even watch the last the movie that they made. <laughs> well, you didn't miss anything. I've That's heard. what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, and I'm um, probably still going to at some point, but I. I that was a how, bad summer for bad you. Oh, no, it was. I, you, you could, I, I, Ryan knows how excited I was for for that movie, uh, and then when I first heard how long the movie was, like, oh, this is not a good sign. Uh, and then I kept hearing this, I kept hearing that. I was like, oh, yeah. well, they're just they're just butchering this. So. <laughs> yeah. One of, my, oh, one of my COVID projects here was revisiting Stephen King's stuff because I'd only yeah. read sporadic, so. Like I did, I started this thing. Okay. I'm going to read all his novels in order, right? Slowly, but surely just no, no rush. Just, I'm going to read them in order. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I got through up through the shining and then I realized, oh wait, night shift is a book of short stories, all of which he wrote in the decades prior. So now I'm stuck on all these short stories that oh. I'm going back and trying to read because I'm kind of like, yeah. I, I'm interested in his development as a writer. It's kind of fun. So, then my question for you then is how are you going to do the dark tower series? Because book one was 1979. Yes. And book two was 20 years later. So I, I haven't got there yet. So I don't know that I've decided, but, but maybe I'll clump those. Like once I, either once I hit the dark tower, I'll just be yeah. all, all dark tower all the time right. or, or wait till we get to the year that the last dark tower book was written and then retroactively read them. Okay. How are you going to do the Bachman stuff? The Bachman stuff. So far, the only Bachman that I've encountered is uh, the short story Rage, which okay. is the one that he um, pulled from publishing. So, like, mm. there was a Bachman compilation put out in the, I don't know, 70s, I to say, um, yeah. that included four Bachman stories, uh, the oldest of which was Rage, which is a story of a kid who goes to school with a gun and holds his classes hostage and kills some teachers. And it's a whole thing. And it's a, it's a novelette. It's not, you know, it's, it's not a short yeah. story. It's a, um, 
And then when that book was republished in the 80s or the 90s or whenever, King pulled that story from it. He said, that's not, so it was now it's just a compilation of three stories because school shootings have become such a thing. And some yeah. of the cool school shootings that occurred starting in the 70s, 80s and everything, you know, rage would be cited by the people who pulled it off even as like, oh, it inspired me, you know, because yeah, the whole yeah, thing yeah. is an internal, you know, a narrative of the guy who does it, the kid. Um, so I had to hunt that down to read it because you can't just <laughs> go to Amazon and can't go, just pull that up anymore. Yeah. Or, yeah. or pay $175 for, you know, this copy of Rage, which isn't one of his greatest works, but it's, you know. Yeah. Um, what you're trying to say is Richard Bachman got canceled. He, well, yeah. That's right. Can't I can't even read Bachman anymore, man. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I found a PDF somewhere that some, you know, illicit human being. Had, yeah, yeah, yeah. Made. So I, I read that. Those are the cases where I think it's a little bit okay because you can't find it elsewhere, really. Yeah, that's always been my, because I'm more than happy to, to make sure that I'm paying, you know, once I got my head around it back in the early days of mp3s and we were just, hey let's all oh, yeah. music you know it's the, oh yeah it's fine and then little by little i was like oh the artists are truly getting screwed yeah you, know, ones you would be like laughing at metallica stupid yeah. metallica this is cool yeah exactly yeah. yeah so so now i'm way more like oh if there's an option to pay for it i will pay for it i will absolutely yeah. pay for it but yeah something like that that's just been removed and it, and it's almost like I'm doing this sociological dig here, you know, the, this, the, you know, of I just am interested in reading his books more or less, more or less in the order you read it, because I, I am interested in sort of reading because you can tell the difference between Carrie and The Shining. It's fascinating. Okay. Yeah, it's fascinating. Does he still write everything himself or is he like basically like hire a lot of ghostwriters now? Well, that's what I would do. Yeah, same. I mean, my, that's what a lot of them started doing. My Stephen King army. Do, 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 do. Yeah, because it's a, it's a whole industry. I mean, you are getting paid. I mean, it's never going to be in your name. You're never going to get the credit, but you're going to your work is going to be seen by a lot more people. Yeah. 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 He's he's OK, guys. I don't think he's hurting for money. No, oh, I think, I think no. he's I think he's fine. I think he I think he's totally fine for uh, doing, doing all right. Yeah, yeah, he he's he's okay, and his uh, son's a really good writer too. Oh yeah, yeah, I've heard that, and I I, I've, yeah, I've heard that, and I think he just won an award not too long ago. And, and yeah, yeah, no, he's a uh, he's a good writer, and he does the same thing his dad does, where most of his stories take place in Maine. <laughs> I guess Man. it's just uh, where it stays. What is um, Maine, guys? Apparently, it's the place to be, guys. Be, I bet that's the lost Seinfeld bit. What is up with Maine? Why are there so many deaths and murders and dismemberments and ghosts in Maine? <laughs> uh, good, good, good. That was a good Seinfeld impersonation. Oh, thank you, thank you. If um, if you ever have to get rid of the acting, you should just go on the road and do that. Just do Seinfeld. Yeah, just Only do Seinfeld. Seinfeld. That's it. What's the deal? Like, mm-hmm. Why are butchers called butches? <laughs> <laughs> Do they butch? Are only lesbians allowed to be butchers? Right. <laughs> Who are these people? They're butchers. Oh, okay. I. Not if you're into that. butching. Are you into lesbian yes. women? I don't know. Yes. Um, what do so... lipstick lesbians do? <laughs> We're yeah. a lot of lipstick, I guess. They run the taxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they work in, in the, the office. Um, so, and you, so, okay, so you, 
we'll get, we'll we'll circle back to what you were started talking about. So okay, so you kind of what did we start talking? What got we... a little bit of tired of like doing the the DNA yeah stuff. Uh, yeah yeah. Well, I was just doing it, and doing it, and I just noticed that I was getting crankier and crankier. There was like this nexus of fulfillment. Yeah, you were um, like, if I got to do one more goddamn push in the boots. Yeah, well, it wasn't even that. It was like for a long time because I my specialty, my niche was kind of the direct-to-video Disney titles or mm. or yeah. Disney movie sequels like Brother Bear Two or yeah. uh, children's titles that were television shows like you know the Little Einsteins like I mentioned. Um, so I kind of had this thing where Disney paid attention, but they didn't put. But it wasn't like they were releasing. Sleeping Beauty, like, you know, on deep on Blu-ray. They, they yeah, didn't, they, they gave me oversight and they gave me direction. They gave me notes, like all that, but they weren't hovering every step of the way. Right. So I kind of had this nice little, like, Ooh, I get to be super creative and kind of throw ideas against and problem solve and figure out how to come in at the budgets that I'm given, which were not generous. Um, so it was a nice, you know, fulfilling problem solving job for, you know, a good handful of years. And I was a specialty in it. And, you know, there were frankly, you know, just a, maybe a dozen or two of us in Hollywood that could even do this kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, but so there was that side of it that like for a long time was very fulfilling and fun and whatever. I mean, it even is kind of how I started doing voiceover stuff because I would do the temp VO for all the animations and stuff. So, you know, yeah. there's me, I would just record all the voices and da da da. Yeah. So like, I just got to do a lot of stuff. And then there's the other nexus of what the client was wants. And there's this sweet spot in the middle where there's two lines meet. And that's like, yay, everybody's happy. But I was like finding that was happening less and less oh. as I was getting bigger titles. And yeah, like it got the machine got too big and, uh, uh, and yeah, moved, it just I was still doing it. I was still happy to do it. But uh, but I was noticing like, oh, I'm just like, the joy was kind of missing. Yeah. Yeah. And it affected everything. I think I'm, I suffer. I guess, you know, maybe it's a guy thing. Maybe it's just a career thing for non-gender specific, but like just really identifying who I am, who I was with the work that I did, you know, like, Oh, I am my career, you know, that feeling. Yeah. And, um, so I think as I was getting more dissatisfied with that, it was creeping into other areas. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And all, and, you know, one thing led to another. Long story short, I started taking an improv, what I call improv for idiots, at uh -huh. Growlings, meaning like anyone can sign up. So like yeah, yeah, yeah. anyone can get in, just sign up for the Growlings improv for idiots class, <laughs> um, meaning <laughs> like it could be a guy like me just taking an improv class. It could be uh, such and such housewife. It could be, uh, you know, um, someone whose agent said you should really have a Growlings credit on your resume. Mm -hmm. Yep. To be a business guy who needs to be able to make presentations better, trying to get yeah. comfortable. You know, so it was just a cross-section of us in this class. And I started taking it, and I had start, done a lot of improv when I was a kid. Yeah. And so I went back just to kind of do it. So once a week, I'd go to this Groundlings class. And within like two or three weeks, my wife came back, and she goes, oh, my God, you are so much happier. Huh. And I was like, oh, my God, she's right. I am. Yeah. I am. And it, and it kind of encouraged me. And then I started taking classes at UCB and I did some more at Groundlings and little by little, I was finding this thing again. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, at one point just sort of went, well, Hey, I'll take an, I'll take a commercial acting class and some other acting. So there's actually classes like just for like sure. commercials. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. And, and I, 
because I was like, well, I'm a 45 or however old I was, 46, something year old guy doing this. I don't want to waste time. I don't want to just like, I'll just take any class. I researched and was like, who are the legit commercial acting class people in town? And really, I narrowed it down to two people. And I took a class with Judy Kane is her name okay, in in North Hollywood. And um, anyway, uh, fabulous. Like that was really revelatory. And before I even finished all 12 weeks of her class, I had landed an agent and started auditioning for commercials. Huh. How did you oh, land wow. the, the agent was like, went to like one of the shows and well, saw do you, you, or? Do you want to, do you want to hear the actual story of how I landed this yes. agent? Cause this is the most, Holly, this is the most Hollywood thing ever. <laughs> and it's kind of embarrassing. Yes, I need to know. Okay. Cause it was kind of embarrassing. Um, Perfect. And it's very Hollywood. Um, while I was trying to figure this out, I, 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 you know, we can talk, we're friends here. No one's listening. Um, you know, I, th- I think I had some kind of like ambition block or something where it was yeah. ashamed or embarrassed, yeah. like, oh, I want to get into acting. But every fucking idiot out here wants to do that. Yeah, Everybody yeah, yeah. Does. So I'm just one of those jack offs. Um, and you're saying that to the class of your improv. Yes. I'm like, listen, idiots. listen, you jack offs. Yeah. Um, but but I but I did. I had some kind of like self-conscious thing about it. That yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it was a bit of a block. I think I had. And it's plus the scary, the scariness, right? That you were successful and now you're branching off into something new at your age. And, and terrifying and, and embarrassing. And yeah, I had a lot of, so I was seeing, like, I was seeing a, um, a therapist at the time, um, that was more like a straight ahead therapist, but then on the side, I just as surely as an experiment. Okay. And I don't know if you guys have experience with this sort of thing. I went to see a hypnotherapist, right? Okay. So I started, and it was good because he was a very nurturing personality. It was nice to be able to talk to him. I don't know that the hypnosis part of it did or did not do much for me, but yeah, but I did enjoy going to see him. So I saw him for a while, and um, and we talked about you know getting over these blocks and all this stuff. And um, at some point, he he said, "You know, if you want to give me your head, this is so Hollywood." My hypnotherapist <laughs> said to me. <laughs> If you want to give me your headshot, I can give it to my wife. She runs a well-established um, agency here in town. Really? And I'm and I, I mean, like, I'm like looking for the camera. Like, what is this? <laughs> this is a joke, right? And uh-huh. and I did. I gave him my headshot, and it turned out that his wife was one of the partners at one of the most well-established commercial acting agencies. And not, wow! And, and he was like, "I never do this. This is really, you know, kind of crossing the line." But yeah, you really, obviously, should be doing this t- stuff. So I would be happy to give my wife this thing. And I went in. I had a meeting and a slash audition, whatever you want to call it. And they signed me. And 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 at first, I found it like, you know, the only reason I feel comfortable telling the story is because. Guess what? Eventually, I started booking. So I was like, you yeah, know, so I'm yeah. not embarrassed by the story because it worked yeah. out. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, oh, what do you know? I actually, I actually should have been doing this or whatever. So yeah. it really is who you know. It, wow. it's when, so, you, when you auditioned, yeah. Did you like? What did you present? What did you prepare? Like, do you prepare like a scene for the for the commercial agent? You know, yeah. it was really literally reading copy. And fortunately, I was smack dab in the middle of these commercial acting classes, so it's very fresh. Yeah, on how to approach these things now? It wasn't like I went in like oh, I don't know, which is why I'm like, yeah, I actually do recommend taking classes. I really do. Yeah, and I, um, I think the hypnosis part worked because I bet the I bet he actually said, "You want to give me your headshots? You yeah. want to give me your headshots?" Yeah, this conversation <laughs> never actually happened. Like I just I think it did, and then I gave him my headshot. 
and my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the agent? So the agent is the one that gets you the auditions? Yeah, they're, they're, um, I'm with a, an agency called DDO, and um, Julie Goods was uh, one of the two people at the time who I met with. And, um, and yes, they're the ones that are certified to scour around and submit different actors to projects. Mm-hmm. No, and, okay. and, it, and it's just a very streamlined way of doing it. And they're licensed casting agencies and all this stuff. You can self-submit on things, but it's harder to get kind of taken seriously. And not, yeah. I would never dissuade him from not doing it. It's just a, a little easier, you know what I mean? To have yeah. an agent for you because um, they have relationships and they know, oh, Michael would be great for this thing. So I'm going to submit him. And when, yeah. when casting agents, get a submission from that agent. They trust that agent and go like, Oh, they have this guy, Michael, who they think would be good for this. We should bring him in. Right. So there, there's that whole thing going on as opposed to me going, hi, random casting agent. I just, I think I'd be really good for this. You know? Um, yeah. Now that having been said, you can totally get auditions that way. Absolutely. Yeah. It happens. I've done it, but, um, but that's kind of their role. And then also they're involved in the contracts. They make sure you get paid and, you know, yeah. they cut for that. And, um, and, um, and I've been with them now, gosh, five years, I guess, is roughly how long I've been doing this. Was the Boost Mobile the first like national commercial you, you booked? Um, 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 first, the first commercial that I booked, the first week they put me on auditions, they sent me to five auditions. Oh, God. Called back for three of them and I booked one. Okay. And and the one that I booked that very first week, um, eventually, was for Heineken, and it was an international commercial. Um, it didn't play in America, but it yeah. played all tons of other places around the world. And I'm in it for exactly like starting here, ending here. That long. <laughs> <laughs> That's how long I'm in it, and uh-huh. uh, and it's pretty funny. And I and. Uh, and I love it. It's set to Bohemian Rhapsody and I'm still friends with the guy I was cast. I auditioned with and we, we booked together. So we obviously worked well oh, together. Cool. Like, yeah. you, guys, you know, so I'm still friendly with him online. Um, but then the first national was probably about three months or so later, which was for TD Ameritrade, which was just me being myself talking to the camera, you know? Yeah. When you see those type of types of ads where people are like, yeah, I didn't know what to do with my money, so I, I TV Ameritrade, blah, 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 and I'm doing it because my daughter's going to college and I want to save up for it. And yep. Yeah, totally fake. I mean, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like staged, um, but they, they present it like it's a candid conversation. Yeah, so are these usually like one-day shoots? That was a one-day shoot, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Heineken overall commercial, they shot for three days. They only needed me for one. Maybe, yeah. Maybe more than three days. It was pretty huge. But, yeah. um, but eventually, but what but those are like the only two things I kind of booked that whole year and it was still another year for me to kind of get that year to get comfortable auditioning and kind of figuring out who I was from a branding perspective if that makes mm-hmm. sense like, and once I kind of got comfortable and kind of realized oh here's who I am when I walk in a room to audition for something it's this character I've got this character this character suddenly like that following year I was just book 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 yeah I'll, you know, once I got comfortable and figured that out and uh, you know, adjusted some things, it was, it's been pretty steady, steady ever since. It seems to be. Um, and was it's it very, the first year? Was it super soul crushing? No, it no. Be, like, it was literally an experiment. Like for okay. me, I, I was just trying to like, take it easy. 
and it's easy to get defeatist, you know? Yeah. 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 The first year I was just trying to take it in stride. And I mean, I, I was like, I remember I was like sort of keeping score, you know, like mm-hmm. how many auditions am I going out on? How many callbacks am I getting from those auditions? Yeah. So I was like, so long as I'm getting a callback, one callback for every 10 auditions, mm-hmm. that's a pretty good ratio. And yeah. then if I get one, you know, on a veil for every 10 callbacks, that's pretty good. And then if I book one out of every three of those, that's a pretty good, but I was pretty quickly well exceeding some of those numbers, but I was really, I remember being very anally tracking that, like it was going to mean something. Um, no, but, we're not. Sorry, go ahead. That's okay. I just, but, but I was, I was more or less taking it easy because I was still doing my, uh, a lot of my other freelance work, you know, and it was so, I don't want to say it was a hobby, but I was definitely like, you know, um, like, kind of oh, checking cool. out a little bit. You were, yeah, yeah. And taking yeah. classes and building it up. And it wasn't until, you know, the following year or whatever, where I kind of was like, Hey, um, like when you asked me at the beginning answered, Oh, I'm an actor, you know, like I didn't feel that way for another year or so. Right. Yeah. Comfortable, comfortable saying when, that. When you go to auditions, is it kind of like, um, what we see, like when we see like a movie with auditions, like you go in a room and there's just a whole bunch of people with their headshots and then you walk in a room and there's like a table with like three, three, three people there and you basically perform it to them. Um, well, the headshots are a thing of the past for the most part. Like rarely, okay. rarely. Usually if it's a headshot, it's usually like um, these days, it's like an indie film is doing a thing or a student film or something like that. Yeah. Um, so that part of it doesn't have, it all happens online. Your headshot's online. They pick you and you come in. So they've got okay. all that. Right? They've got okay. it all. So you don't see that scene anymore. But it is funny, you know, because if I get called in for Goofy Dad, which is one of my sort of, you know, you, you stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, um, it's me and a bunch of other goofy dads. It's like me and goofy dads. Yeah. And um, my favorite auditions are like when I get called in for something and there aren't 20 other people just like me. Mm-hmm. But, like there's 19 other people like each other and yeah. me. And and I always kind of go, oh, I'm the outlier. You know, like okay. I, I, I cher- cherish that because it seems like I tend to book some of those, you know, like these are the stern dads and I'm the goofy dad. Yeah. Or like, they were like, we want this type one, this type, but this guy being really interesting that was different and that might spin this in a different direction. So that's the improv training, you know, that really comes for me. And then, um, and, but, but there is that weird surreal, like, cause there's a look that everybody knows. And if, especially if you're a commercial actor, which is my main Mm -hmm. thing, of course. And that, Oh, look, it's a room full of 30 guys all wearing plaid shirts with a T-shirt <laughs> underneath, untucked. Yeah. And a pair of jeans and, you know, sneaks and their hair's kind of mussy and maybe they're scruffy. It's like they all have that. Have that. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you and, usually see the same people like in a lot of these auditions? We'll cross paths a lot. Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. last year it's all been remote, so I see nobody. But but yeah. there, there's a group of people where you'll kind of see them and you'll nod knowingly at each other. Yep, you're here for the... Mm-hmm, me too. Oh, okay. Yeah. And... um. I don't know. I've, I never, I never felt competitive. Yeah. Like I, I'm sure that goes around, but maybe it's a little function of being older and kind of like, Oh, it is what it is. You know, I, I, cause I used to do acting in high school and into college and, and those years. And then one of the reasons I got out of it is because I hated auditioning so much mm-hmm. and it just hated it. Like, ugh, too much anxiety. And oh, now yeah, yeah. I kind of dig it. I kind of enjoy it, which is, I'm like, well, if I could have got my head around this in my 20s, I probably would have had quite a career right now, you know? 
Well, that was the question I was going to ask is, do you, have you sort of just accepted it as like, this is your job now, or are you still wanting to, is there still like a, a, a next step for you? Yeah. I, I feel like, um, in a lot of ways I've, not every way, but like in a lot of ways, like I've kind of conquered the commercial acting thing and I'll still do it. I can always do it. Um, but, but I've been taking classes going on and on and I'm really wanting to start auditioning for television roles and, and movie roles and things like that. And I've done a little of that, but, um, it, I've built up to it. So really it was about a year and a half, two years ago where I felt like I was ready, quote unquote, you know, kind of like I'm, okay, I'm ready now. I feel like actually right. Like before that, I was like, I'm faking it or ready. So, uh, and, and, and I was fortunate enough to Ryan, maybe, you know, this, I don't know about, um, a year and a half ago now take acting classes for, it was like a 12 week acting three month long thing twice a week with uh, James Kahn. The, um, Oh yeah. So I studied with James Kahn and, and, I really rediscovered like, oh, this is what acting was for me when I was younger. Right. Yeah. Like, like it's been fun and I'm doing improv and I'm getting the commercial stuff and all that, but doing that class with, with Jimmy and him giving, uh, give me some amazing feedback, very positive, very encouraging, very, it, it, you know, I'll go as far to say as I don't think it's a stretch for me to say I was the class pet, <laughs> the, <laughs> the teacher nice. a little bit ultimately. Yeah by the last month or so yeah. um, that made me very emotionally realize like, Oh my God, I know I'm and whatever. And <laughs> the message for everybody, you know, getting into the, being in the creative field, it's like, I could actually do this for the rest of my life. I could do this or a <laughs> version awesome. or a version of it or something like that. So, so and my daughter's getting older now and in the next really this year, if it weren't for COVID so much more independent, so I can maybe go back and do some theater, which I miss doing. And, um, the, but really I'm ready. Like I feel, Oh, I'm ready to get in those rooms to get some TV, um, auditions and things like that. That's, so that's kind of my next yeah, goal to tackle. And, and I have a manager now and she's been able to get me in to have, like I had an audition for general hospital a few months ago. That, that would be amazing. Oh, I, know. Oh, wow. I was so excited. And I was like, I don't yeah. even book this. I just got to audition for general hospital. <laughs> yeah. Just, hospital and um you know and then there was an independent film that um the russo brothers executive or executive okay cool i got to audition for and um mm -hmm. that was and, and i didn't even get a call back but that's fine these are all baby steps but meanwhile like one of my good friends who's kind of give or take roughly on the same level as me career-wise maybe it's fair to say um she got booked she's in the new russo brothers executive. oh uh cherry uh, not cherry. It's um. It's it's. Ugh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up here. Um. Because they exactly they they're really champions of you know independent filmmakers. Also, yeah. So they discovered this filmmaker at Sundance or something, and I'm looking on the thing, and it's gonna take me a minute. <laughs> And when you, while you're looking at that, when you were working with um, James Kahn, is it like a small, like intimate, like class that he would teach? Yeah. I mean, it, it was, uh, I'm going to say ooh, 24 people in that class, I think. Okay. So roughly evenly spit men and women. So they're 12 men, 12 women. Yeah. Um, and um, 
he ran the class with another guy named Val Lauren, who's a younger fella who's with Playhouse West and he's worked with James Franco in movies and things. And um, so very much, hmm. very intimate, I mean, a very intimate situation, particularly when obviously you're working on your scene with him and, and he yeah. and would sit there and kind of critique you and so on and so forth. So there's a filmmaker named Jay Alvarez that the Russo brothers uh, discovered at a film festival and then executive produced an early indie film of him. And now he's doing another bigger budget indie film called Something's More Than One Thing, which I got to audition for. Didn't get a callback. My friend London, London Garcia, has a little role in that. And it was like totally cool, you know. So, you know, so I'm making I'm getting my toe in the door here and there. Just yeah. And COVID definitely put, you know, I, I felt like I had a lot of um, momentum going at the beginning of last year. <laughs> like, like I have two films that I'm short films that I'm booked in, but that we've put on hold and we haven't gotten back to. And one of them I'm co-starring with um, Tuesday Night, who is from the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Oh, cool. And she plays my wife. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool because I'm kind <laughs> of a horror movie nerd. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But we haven't been able to shoot it. It got put on hold. So hopefully we'll have a conversation soon about when that'll go back up. Knock on yeah, hopefully stuff will start opening up. Um, so your last big commercial was the one that I think I saw three times during the Golden Globes. Is yes. that right? <laughs> um, so that one was shot all during uh, the pandemic. Yes, yes, yes. I've shot a few things during the pandemic. Um, as much as things have slowed down, you know, there was another commercial that I auditioned for like the day before LA, we were shut down mm-hmm. and then I never heard a peep. It was a callback. In fact, then I never heard a peep. I thought, well, that's dead. And then six months later, they're like, you booked this thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I shot that. And then this one, the Coles commercial that's running all the time yeah, is, um, was I auditioned via zoom. I did a callback via zoom. I booked it. We got to set. It was a COVID set. And I'm telling you the film industry, my experience between the two commercials that I've shot and a a TV thing that I kind of helped out on also that I'm in. um, uh, There's, you know, are just, they're doing such a good job. Like I, I I really have been very, very impressed. So like I, you know, we've heard some people going, Oh, the restaurants can't do this and the restaurants can't. It's like, well, that's because the, but the actors in the movies get to do their thing. Well, it's because the movies were like getting tested every other day. And, and there's this bubble no one's allowed in the bubble once you get tested and everybody wears a mask unless you're an actor. And if you're an actor, you're sequestered from the rest of the cast. And you know, it's, they, they've, and they've, there's hand sanitizing stations all over the set and mm. everything, you know, so they've, they've done as much as they possibly could. And, and the creative for it shifted. So if you look at that commercial, Ryan, you know, yeah. No, the only people that are near each other in that commercial are people that are actually, you know, know each other in real life. Like there's uh-huh. an old, there's an old couple in that they're an actual couple, right? Oh, cool. Okay. And, and the, the creative, the way that commercial works so well is because, you know, the whole concept is everybody can be at a distance, you know, the, the, so they thought it through and they, they're being smart about it, you know? Yeah. Cause uh, explain the commercial for people that haven't seen it. Oh yeah. It's very, I give you a link. You can put a link on your, I, yeah, definitely. I think I got the link in our, we have a show chat. So I put it in there earlier for like Boston and uh, Scott to look at. Well, it's a super cute commercial and I didn't a hundred percent know what it was going to be when I auditioned for it, but I had a suspicion and it turned out to be pretty accurate, Mm -hmm. but it's, um, 
you know, the implication is that we're still, I think, in, in a COVID era with this commercial. But it's this little girl um, who's kind of glum sitting on her front stoop uh, of her house. And people are walking by, kind of doing their thing, including me, a delivery guy who's kind of glum and whatever. And she's got her chalk and she's doing chalk art. And she sees how, like, bummed out I am. And so she suddenly gets an idea. And fast forward, she has created a hopscotch thing on the sidewalk. And suddenly, when everybody comes by, of course, they are obliged and they jump and do the hopscotch and it makes everybody happy, including me. I walk up at the very end of the commercial and stand there like a grumpus and look (laughs) at the hopscotch and then look over at her and then boom, I do hopscotch and it's fun. And she's so happy to see me. You know, and oh, her! She does a phenomenal job oh, in that commercial. She's a doll, and um, and then you know, I get a little smirk at the end, like, you know, okay, yeah. I do a thing or two, kiddo, and uh, and it's and it's adorable. It's adorable. It turned yeah, yeah, out yeah. really, and it's set to Jean Baptiste's cover of um, what song is it in that movie? Anyway, it's this you know great music piece, Barbie and, Girl. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a Barbie girl. <laughs> Uh, and it, so it turned out great. So as, as commercials yeah, yeah, yeah. go, as commercials go, you know, not often you'll get high art, but I've, I've, you know, I'm lucky to be a part of one. I'm, I'm telling yeah. you, I'm getting so many, cause I posted on my little actor page and my little YouTube page and I'm getting so many comments from people. It's just like all over the place. Like, Oh my God, this makes me so happy. And it's, oh, it's my favorite. Yeah, it's a really well done commercial. It's really well done. It is touching yeah. and it's cute. And they don't, it's not a hard sell. It's not like Coles, 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 yeah. Coles. Buy some pants, motherfucker. Like, no, we're just going to make a cute commercial <laughs> to show how heartwarming we are as a company. Yeah. And, and yeah. stick a Coles logo at the end, you know? So there, there needs to be an alternate version of though, though, when you look down at the hopscotch and you just like smudge it. Yeah, well, I'm picking yeah. people. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick people and throw mail at her as you're walking by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I know I think it's been like I mean your Wayfair commercial I still right. see. Yeah. Although oh, there was cool. there where I did not like Kelly Clarkson because I she like that. basically stole that Wayfair from you. I think she's another nemesis. I think she's another she nemesis. totally is, and she's America's sweetheart. So people don't get on board for this one, you know. Was it a little weird being a part of the Wayfair commercial when all that? nonsense conspiracy stuff started about them yeah i was lucky in that like they they ran that commercial tons and i was basically the wayfair guy you know for a while and then they and they pulled it for a while and then it came back hardcore for yeah 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 it comes and goes and um you know, I only know it's running when suddenly I get a check. And I'm they like, offer oh, to pay you in children. Like, I got a check last week. I was like, oh, they're running it in the UK. That's nice. <laughs> nice. So, um, yeah, it's pretty funny. So yeah. um, that's how I find out. But, yeah, um, and it's so crazy because I just went one day and I saw Wayfair. I go, oh, cool. And I, I clicked on it and I was like, do you know they're using Wayfair to smuggle children? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but I was fortunate because like, kind of when that was happening, it was a period when they weren't running my commercial. Kelly Clarkson be tangled up all of yeah. that. Let her take the hit. But I did have my sister-in-law. Like that she, song, uh, since you've been, since you've been going, about since you've been going, I've been smuggling children. Yeah. But, yeah. My sister-in-law, but, but it was, so there's the smuggling children thing, which of course was, you know, yeah. Insane. Yeah. But then there was also the, the Wayfair was selling, um, furniture to the, kids that were being uh kept at the border 
So that was another yes. thing that bubbled up. And that was a little more substantial and serious um, yeah, yeah, yeah. conversation to have. And, and in fact, I had an, I had a relative, um, you know, text me or email me like, so what about wafer doing this thing? Da, 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 da. And I, I, I imagine a Texas relative. No, 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 no. This oh. was, so this was more one of my more liberal relatives, okay. actually. And because, because it was the children, they were like, are they profiting off the, the misery? These kids mm-hmm. are there. Yeah. And you know, I, I, my solution to that conversation was to not respond. So That's probably good. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't. I mean, first of all, I didn't really have a take left on, on red. Yeah. yeah. I, sort of, I didn't really have a take on it. I was kind of like, she's not wrong, <laughs> you know, but yeah. yeah, they're garbage. But like, I didn't, that wasn't my, like, I, yeah, they hired me. I didn't like yeah. invest in them. Yeah. So no. far. I mean, the worst, the worst, I'm going to share the, the worst. Okay. I've got, if you care, I've got two stories. Yes. That are on the learning curve. And again, if the story sucks, boss. You got it. Yeah. Get, edit you get, the shit out of it. We still got your razor. We still got 30 minutes. We're good. You'll be like, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, here's our, here's our guest, Michael King. Michael, it's been great. The butcher stuff. And then it's the offer. Yes. Like, yeah. like, Hi guys. Now we're going to get a reporter from our K-pop. Uh, consultant. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the K-Pop Corner. Hey. (laughs) Hello, everyone. So, today, we are going to have a very, very fun, quick discussion about free will in K-Pop. I know that's a weird thing. I know that's a weird thing. But, today, I have a lot of stuff to say, and I think you should hear me out. So, to preface all of this... My absolute favorite group, what you would argue is my bias, um, which in terms of K-pop is your favorite group or your favorite member of a specific group. My absolute favorite K-pop group is VIX, V-I-X-X. They are amazing. I cannot emphasize enough that when I talk about VIX, I'm not just saying they are the concept kings. They are the kings of the weirdest, most amazing, most out of nowhere, incredible, I've never seen this before kind of level stuff. They are insane. VIX, so back history, they started through a reality show, right? Top Idol. You find like these group of kids, they're all really, really cute. They do a couple of things and then all of a sudden they are now a K-pop group. And you would think that that would lead to a lot of just commercialized, eh, whatever. But what Vix did, it's so fascinating to me because they had this whole buildup where they could have done the most basic of base things. And just did the most basic of base K-pop things and been able to skate by. But that is not what Vix did. What Vix did is they earned the crown of the concept kings. They did things that had never been seen before. Ever. During the first run of their album series, it was all based on such dark themes for K-pop. And when I say dark things, I'm talking about like... Hades and 
Dionysus and like these higher concepts of like one of their their first songs and their first like album was about how like I need therapy just to get over you like there's so many like deeper sort of concepts that come out of Vix and K-pop is such like a commercialized like structured thing like they were the first dudes to wear colored contacts on stage like are you kidding me colored contacts is a big deal right now are you serious <laughs> anyway so we're getting into Vix and the reason why I feel like it's a wonderful thing to talk about right now is because Vix is kind of a central point of where K-pop is now. Vix, their uh, member, like the or their older members, right as they were hitting their zenith, right as they were hitting like Ode to Vix, their latest album from 2018. It's one of the just most beautiful, amazing, weird, crazy, funky, like, imagine 90s, like, R&B, hip-hop, love-making music, but also you got, like, some weird parliament funk in there, you got some weird, like, 1980s British underground EDM, you have, like, crazy, insane spitfire raps from Ravi, whose, like, main influence is 1980s, like, underground fucking Texas, like, dirty South rap. Like, you, you, you can just see so many different influences of things that are in the cultural zeitgeist of America currently. All of the things that influenced America also influenced them. And, Everything that they came out with, especially once you hit that latest album, Shangri-La is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Not only the dance, but everything about it, the song, how they structured it, such like a beautiful just aesthetic in general, and how they did it was amazing. They were at the top of their game. They were about to start touring America big time. And then their oldest member had to go in for his military service and after that the band started breaking apart you know but the more older members had to start doing their military service their two years requirement other members because they didn't have that tight-knit group and everything was loosened became so disillusioned with what they were doing yeah we're doing these cool new things but nobody really cares and at the end of the day like people do care I know they do but I don't know if I do I don't know if this is what I want anymore and I don't know if I can handle the pressure of telling that to people that adore me and love me that's not fair to them but also it's not fair to me and I find currently that especially in what we're going through right now nowadays here in America if we're tying k-pop into everyday life again which is what I try to do I find that that's very much a similar theme at this point and I find that that's a very similar understanding and so I think to pull everything all back together <laughs> I think what happened to Vix in which this was this amazing group that was at the top of their game 
and through responsibility as well as apathy. Just had to leave it behind. And now nobody knows what Vix will become. Will they continue as a group? Will everybody quit and it just dies? What are we going to do? Nobody knows. And it can fall into the same thing of everything else that's going around right now. So I would say, to end this whole super fun thing, through Vix, we found all of these amazing, new, fun, weird, crazy things that haven't been done before. And in responsibility, in servitude to what we feel like we should do, we have found apathy. So if you walk away from this tonight, I would recommend listening to Vix and think about that super cool punk rock thing, which is do the thing that is important to you. Don't follow responsibility because I feel like no matter where you are in the world, even if you're a 25 year old rapper from South Korea, that's in a cool boy band, even you can influence somebody so much, literally on the other side of the world, that is a woman in her 30s dressed trying to do her best, or anybody else. Thank you guys so much, and thank you. (laughs) Have a wonderful night. Okay, two quick things, and I'll make them quick, that were like little actor lessons as, you know, in the new world. One was that um, I was booked on a thing for Funny or Die that was a partnership with the Shell Corporation. And it was basically, we recreated, and I should post them on my page because they were on Funny or Die for about a day or three. And um, But what it was, was we did a parody of a 90s sitcom. And I was the dad in the 90s sitcom. So for funnier dice, we had a whole set, we had a whole thing and it was all structured around shell, uh, trying to move this, um, you know, rewards card thing they had. Yeah. But each one was like a mini parody of a nineties episode. And, um, so, uh, I want to, I'm going to bring up his name cause I'm going to mess it up if I, if I don't say, okay. So, um, so we made this thing. I'm very proud of it because it's super cool and it looks like a real sitcom. Like they shot it three camera, the whole deal. It was a great experience for me and all that stuff. And of course it comes out and a friend of mine sends me a screen drive for the, from the Funnier Die app. And then he's like, oh my God, you came up. You're the suggestive thing on the Funnier Die because it was a partnership <laughs> with Shell. So it was, and there's, and I'm the thumbnail. Like it's me nice. pointing, looking kind of goofy, pointing. There I am, Funnier Die. Mike. He sends me the screenshot. I'm like, oh my God. And I post it on my social media because i'm like oh this is yeah 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 all right then um i don't know how i was alerted to it but i was you know i was kind of following up on it so funny or die just real quickly was a company formed by will ferrell and his partner adam mckay right Uh oh here we go okay Okay. very 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 activist liberal guy yeah to his credit and um but they did Funny or Die. They built it up. They did whatever. But then, you know, Adam McKay has been, and Will Ferrell, has been super busy being a super serious, amazing filmmaker. So Funny or Die kind of is less hands-on with Funny or Die. So Funny or Die suddenly starts putting out this shell company thing 
sponsored by Shell, like a partnership with Shell, 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 who, you know, Adam McKay holds in low regard because of fracking. Mm-hmm. And Adam McKay tweets out, Adam McKay to his multi-million followers, <laughs> a thumbnail link image of me. And, oh, no. And the tweet oh. is, this is the worst thing I've ever seen, is what he tweets. Oh, no. Damn. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He was, trying, he was trying to disavow himself of this thing. And, of course, it's not like he thinks I'm the worst thing he's ever seen. He's He was, like, so angry that Funny or Die had kind of just done this partnership with Shell. And um, I'm oversimplifying this, but this is what led to the downfall of Funny or Die or him and Farrell bailing on Funny or Die was this incident is kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Wow. You can look it up online. You can Google this. It's up online. If you go back to that tweet, I haven't recently, but if you go back to that tweet, it's now I'm not, my face isn't on anymore because they took the videos down. They took the videos off of Funny or Die. The link is right. I did get a screen grab of it. Like, because yeah. I, I was going to make some funny reply and blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, oh, yeah, then I'll be blacklisted forever. This guy's so powerful. So yeah. I let it go. But that was a real eye opener for me because, you know, just from a standpoint of like, you're like, oh, pick your pick the projects you work on carefully. And, you know, for me, I'm just like, oh, my God, I booked this amazing, funny bit. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, at the same time, you know. Does that mean I'm implicitly, uh, implicitly supporting Shell and fracking? I didn't think so. That wasn't where I arrived. But, um, um, yeah, so that, that was a learn, lesson learned. And then more recently, I did a commercial for Home Advisor. And this is more of a dark one, but I'll just share it. Um, I, I did a commercial for Home Advisor where um, they're, it's funny. It's very short. It's like a 15-second commercial where I'm a guy talking about how great Home Advisor is we can have someone come in to mount our TV and then it cuts wide and turns out I've enlisted my son to stand and hold the flat screen TV for the big football game. Uh-huh. And, and I'm just a horrible father, you know, and it's funny, <laughs> it's cute, it's short, but it also has a woman uh, sitting next to me who I've been in two commercials with playing my wife just by sheer coincidence. Huh. And then, and, and then a guest at our party. She's being typecast. Yeah, I know. We were like, we should always be married. But, um, but then there's another guy on the couch who's kind of a guest who gives me the look of like, you're a horrible dad, kind of like, <laughs> you know, like what is happening here? He, he gets the funny look. Yeah. He, he was, I think he was just an extra that got boosted to get to do that because he had a good look, you know? So he's a black guy. He's sitting on the couch, gives me that look, like kind of critical, kind of like, um, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Kind of a thing. And it's funny. And that's it. Harmless, fun, funny commercial. I posted that to my YouTube page. And guys, I'm telling you, the racist comments that came through oh, no. were oh, like absolutely knee quiveringly upsetting. Oh, like, man. All these horrible trolls, these anonymous a wipes came out of the woodwork and made these. And I was, I wouldn't read them to my wife. I'd be like, I was so upset. I was blocking. Oh. blocking I reported yeah, yeah, yeah. them. And, um, and it just was a real eye opener because it was just, like right in the middle of, you know, the last four years have been, yeah. you know, the, yeah, the coming out of the woodwork more and more, and it was just yeah. so so gut punchingly disheartening, and um, that was something, and it was all like, oh, oh yeah, the white man's the fool, and you know, blah, 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 there you are playing another, you know, playing into that whole thing. I was uh, like, oh, God, what are that... you talking about? I mean, yeah, so those are my those are my two kind of like 
okay, well, you know, between the way it's out, even, you know, even commercials, you get that stuff. It's, it's so bizarre. I mean, you yeah. see that a lot. Like, I mean, they're like, honestly, when... I think you get a little more with commercials because people are going to see them more often. Like, yeah. Yeah. They yeah, are being true. actively pushed in people's face. You, so a lot of times you don't even get a choice on like YouTube sometimes. So yeah, I'm way more angry at commercials that I don't get to skip. Yeah. Well, yeah. even on this Coles thing, which I've just described to you, I've left nothing out. Uh, 99.99% of the comments and things on because I follow this stuff. I'm, I'm interested. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of heartwarming. So on their on the Coles YouTube page, there's all these comments. and They're so nice. And I, I respond to people and like, thank you. And, they, you know, and um, but even in there, there's like one or two people. One guy is like, oh, this is coded language for cancel culture. <laughs> when you as you're hopscotching, I don't, even, playing Dr. Like, I don't even know what are they even yeah. <laughs> what are they seeing? I don't even Teach me. I mean, explain it to me. I'd love to know. You know, but yeah. Well, I think well just... you know, it's just people. It happens when you have four years of where the president, um, you know, like uh, basically uh, expounds, exp- you know, throws out uh, conspiracy theories himself. Yeah. So it's just this weird world we live in, where we have so much information at our fingertips, but people. It's just I don't know. It's sad, but like you said, you got to think of the positive with the ninety-something percent of the people that love that commercial. And there's that you're always going to be somebody you yeah. Know, yeah. out there it's that's going to yeah. try to destroy it. And didn't you help the little girl in the commercial, like while while you were shooting it? Here's the thing. I, maybe I don't remember if I we talked about this Ryan offline or whatever. But um, and we can there, cut this if we need to. Okay, there's a key shot in the commercial where she sees me being grumpy and kind of watches me leave and then turns around and suddenly gets the idea of what she's going to do. Yeah. And it is the key. It is adorable. It's the key yeah. moment of the commercial. And they were genuinely having a hard time getting what they want, what they wanted from her. And I was kind of hovering nearby. I wasn't necessarily on hold. I was just like, I'm going to stick close because I'm going to be up soon. Yeah. And um, they weren't able to get it out of her. And, and, and the, the director and who obviously is a terrific director. Right. But they're yeah. like, telling her okay and now you think about it and you get the idea and you're happy and you know that and they were pushing the camera in while they're time and they couldn't get it and they're getting very frustrated yeah and the first ac um said why don't we have michael walk by so she has something to follow and i was the whole time kind of watching this thinking oh thank god i know what to do because yeah i've taken acting classes you know and i once i had that in i said well why don't you let me talk let me talk her through it while I do it, they're like, okay, why not? They were getting, the client was getting frustrated, the whole thing. And it wasn't that she was a bad actor at all. It was, they just wanted something certain. They didn't know how to get it out of her. And I'm telling you the, the difference and, you know, actors look at the, it's like they were telling her what to do. And I was just, I went and just sort of described the situation to her and let her have the genuine feeling. Right. Yeah. So, that the camera, and I'm telling you from the very first take, they were like, Oh my god, <laughs> like, Oh my god, and That's awesome. the, yeah, and it's really awesome. And the first AC came up to me, and he, uh, no, uh, so the, the, uh, the first AT came up to me and he said, You get an extra cookie at lunch. <laughs> and the director, like, and the first AC was like, Oh, thank god, oh, thank god. And, and it was just a matter of me, like, instead of going, like, And you get the idea, it was more a matter of me walking by and saying, like, Oh, hey, I love the chalk art you're doing there. It's wonderful stuff. Gosh, I wish there's a way I could jump into that art. I love it so much and yeah. just walk off. And yeah. she was able to take that and go, I wish there was a way 
Huh. And it became a more genuine reaction. And that's what's in the commercial. And I'm telling you, I'm very, I'm, I'm charmed and proud to be in that little commercial. But yeah. what I'm proudest of was like me helping her get that. Cause that I walked, I said, I was like, God, I'm more excited by what I was able to do as a actor off camera for my little actor friend. You know, it was, that was like the takeaway from that day. I was like so happy. Yeah. And, um, and it turned out and I saw the commercial. I was like, that's the shot. Oh my God. They totally got it. <laughs> and, and you can tell and it's it, the whole commercial turns on that little and guys it really it's does. All, it's just a commercial. I mean, I'm not like trying to, but, but it was a nice little moment, you know, to walk away. Yeah, no, go, no, no. Mm. If you don't win all the Clio's. Yeah. Right. I'm going to be oh, it's, curious. It's rigged. It's rigged. Yeah. 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 Um, I was worried you were going to say, I went up to her and whispered in her ear, if you don't get this right, I'm going to sell you to Wayfair. <laughs> your mother in the basement. <laughs> yes. There's the darkness. There's the darkness. There's the darkness. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, that's awesome. And maybe who knows, like, um, I'm the Wayfair. When you're, when you're ready to kind of start <laughs> retiring more from acting, you get more into the directing side of it. Yeah. Well, that was the, that's how I even got into acting because I was a little amateur filmmaker from the time I was like seven or eight super eight movies. And half the reason I, you know, I, I like musicals and performing and all that, but half the reason I even got into acting was because who was going to act in my movies? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so that was really half the reason I even started doing it was like, well, I'm not going to find anybody else who's going to do this. So I guess I should. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. That was always yeah. my original kind of love when I was little. You know? Yeah. Well, um, we should start wrapping this up. Uh, gosh, that was an awesome episode. That was really um, good, man. Absolutely. And since you know how we end this, which is awesome. Right. Thank you. Um, we'll go around the room and give a recommendation. Uh, Boston, do you want to start us off? I do recommend, actually, that everybody who has a Switch, anybody who has uh, any console right now, go out and get the remaster of... Or sorry, the re-release, because it's not that much of a remaster of Stubbs the Zombie Rebel Without a Pulse. Because <laughs> um, it, uh, so far, it plays exactly like it did in the original version that I got from my PC. Uh, but not like it, it's it's very smooth and it looks mm-hmm. really good on the Switch, even the Switch Lite. Yeah. Um, any quality of life improvements? It seems it, it seems to play a lot smoother. Okay. Like when you're uh, when you're going about uh, the controls are, are quite responsive and it's not too because uh, a lot of times you have that you run into that issue of trying to like aim and shit with the with the other stick. Yeah. But it's all it's all kind of third person, so you don't have to do too much. Uh, it, it works it works with the switch, and I like that. And they got the full soundtrack, right? Because I know that was one of the big things when that game first came out, right? Like uh, an amazing soundtrack. Ooh, I all the background music is still there. I haven't, I haven't actually checked on that. Oh shit! Uh, go to someone else, and we're gonna. Okay, all right. We will go uh, to Scott. <laughs> well, unfortunately, the only thing uh, that I can really recommend is I think what I already recommended last uh, episode because I have just been doing nothing but playing zombies. Okay. Like, every, every every time a new Call of Duty comes out, I'm playing zombies like non straight for like two or three months. So yeah, that's um, pretty much all I've been doing. Uh, I have. What do you play I, on? I play on Xbox. Uh, but like, so a buddy of mine, she plays on on computer. Uh, my other friend plays on uh, what is he on Xbox? And another friend plays on PlayStation. Uh, so we're all playing on like different platforms. We can all play together, which is something Good. that 
that they've changed ever since I think the last game. Yeah, uh, and and I also uh, played Call of Duty Zombies not too long ago for the first time on PlayStation Five, and I Ooh. felt the controller. Uh, and I know you probably know this already, but I didn't realize how cool it was because with the with the triggers that they do on the PlayStation Five, it's it's different pressure, you know, depending on the type of gun you use. Uh, yeah. So like when you're shooting a pistol, will feel different than when you're shooting an assault rifle. And they really, like, yeah. Does it also have like so a heft cool. to it, like when you're pulling the trigger, like yes. you can feel the 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 feed the pushback yeah and but the the only pr- downside to it is a lot of the professional gamers don't like it they give it flack because they want that you have to get a, a you know an instant reaction and you, you, you mm. just get to press a trigger a little bit harder on certain guns you know, yeah they, they really dislike that mode but the, the cool oh, thing well. is you, you can turn it on and off so okay. you don't have to have it on but i i think it's an awesome feature that they added i kind of wish xbox will have it so but and that's one of the things i really wanted to try but then i got nervous because you kept seeing all the the horror stories that Call of Duty was one of the games that were breaking. Yeah. Lives. Well, that's why, you know, G never got it until recently uh, it, because of that. But apparently, I guess that's over now, hopefully. Awesome. I, would, I, would, I would hope by this point, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh-huh. Fingers crossed. Right. Um, exactly. Exactly. I, uh, I did a little bit of Hearthstone here now and some few things I've tried on Game Pass. But other than that. And you're doing Hearthstone on the phone, right? Uh, I do it on the phone or computer, but one of the two, uh, because I've got my computer hooked up. Depending on how much you need to poop. Yeah, exactly. Do you draw money into it still, or I, are you just like now at a point you played so much that you got everything you really need? So I pretty much, uh, I'll sometimes still drop money when the new uh, expansion comes out, uh, mm-hmm. which is what this new one is coming out next this month. So I just drop some money on it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Awesome. Which, by the way, uh, to, to, to mentioning that, yeah, for a free-to-play game, I've already spent about a hundred dollars in Apex. Oh yeah, I, I, I feel you. Hearthstone's to me is the most expensive free-to-play game I've ever played in my entire life. So, yeah, that's I and that's a, that I do that too. Like, um, the way I rationalize it is, it's uh, you know, you're playing a free-to-play game, you don't have to pay money on it, but if it's a game that you're playing like hundreds of hours over like months, I mean, dropping like twenty dollars yeah. to support the to support the game um that's okay and you're that's twenty dollars and you're getting that much time out of it too so i i've probably been playing hearthstone for almost two years so uh, you know i've definitely obviously still really enjoy the game so yeah I, that's why i'm really, I hope so. kind of okay with it. <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> this game sucks i want to play it for another I'll, two years I'll put, I'm gonna I'm like, yeah, I'm like, give you more money <laughs> yeah i'll show you i'm like me Unlike me, where I finally uninstalled Fallout 76, where it's like, yeah. this game hurts me. Um, going to keep playing. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, did you find out about the soundtrack, Boston? Uh, I cannot find a clear answer as to whether the soundtrack was dropped in the new in the okay. remake. So well, I will just out. have to keep playing and find out. Okay. Um, and I will go next. We'll save the best for last, Michael. So we'll have a dance party with Chief. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to recommend a TV series called Snowfall. It's uh, currently going into the fourth season on FX. It was basically created by John Singleton right before he passed away. Um, you know, the guy from uh, Boys in the Hood. It basically uh, tells the stories. It's set in Los Angeles in the early 18, uh, 1980s, and it revolves around the first crack epidemic and the way that the government fed crack into the city uh, oh, wow. yeah so you basically follow uh, a 20 year old drug dealer named franklin saint uh mexican luchador um who's who's basically working what? in the drugs yes and in the drug uh in the drug field and then a cia operative 
and um, and his Mexican crime boss's niece. And it's amazing. Um, four seasons in now. Uh, Franklin Saint, I think, is going to go down as like one of the best like um, anti-heroes, just like Tony Soprano, uh, Walter White. Um, it's kind of amazing because he starts out wanting to do something good for his neighborhood. And slowly he starts to realize what he's actually doing is destroying this, destroying his city. But at that point, he's just too into it. Um, it's also weird, too, because in the first season, there was an actress that uh, runs a nightclub who used to babysit my roommate. <laughs> really? <laughs> Which would freak Dave out every time she was on the scene, uh, whenever wow. she was on the screen. That's uh, the nightclub she'd take me to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's in the uh, fourth season. Uh, I think the whole, I think everything. It's all on Hulu. Um, it's it's an amazing show. It, it's really good. Um, yeah, it's I, I'm kind of surprised it doesn't have a bigger following than what it does have because it's amazing, super nice. good. Yep. Uh, and Michael, um, let's see. Can I can I uh, preface this with? a quick re- you know recommendation from you guys because I'm yeah. a, I'm not a hardcore gamer but I'm a I'm a game adjacent appreciator and um, <laughs> so I'm one of these people like oh I've got a, I could do about a game a year like that's my yeah. speed but everything that I've gleaned from your conversations over several episodes has let me know that um I will adore the game The Last of Us mm-hmm. and oh. like it's it's right up my alley it's like that's the kind of stuff I love Yes. Oh, my, yes. my question to you, piggybacking on your recommendations, is do I need to play part one before playing part yes. two? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. God. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. I literally wrote down, yeah. ask them about last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. The um, it, No it, question it, about it. Yeah. There's so much stuff because um, the story is a big part of, the, of any of the Naughty Dog games. And I love it. Especially in... Um, in the last of us. Cause it's presented like basically, I think this is, it's going to be basically like a trilogy is how I, how I right. see it. Um, so yeah, so you definitely need okay. to play the first one. Okay. Thanks for the, that. Cause I was curious. <laughs> okay. So my, I'm going to give a quick backstory as to why I picked what I picked because um, it's a little out of the pocket of what you guys usually recommend. It's like a slightly different thing. So like when I was growing up, I discovered the, they did the radio play drama of star Wars uh, when I was a, a, a young guy and I listened obsessively. And then after that, they would play this import of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy radio play. And I would listen. Obs- I got so obsessed that I did my own version of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy radio play when I was a kid. I record it with sound effects and I, I probably still have the first pair, the first like preface, the first chapter of the, the of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book memorized. Like I could... Probably oh, wow. recite it for you right now. Um, so I became, I kind of became really affectionate and loved radio dramas, like like the contemporary ones, like Star Wars at the time and Hitchhikers, but even the old radio dramas and stuff. Yeah. And then over the years, you know, not so much, you know, but because of COVID, I was, I've been jumping back into audiobooks. Okay. And so my recommendation is you I don't think you've talked about this or recommended or anyone has recommended any kind of an audiobook situation but if you have any passing affection for Neil Gaiman or the the Sandman comic books mm-hmm. you must 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 listen to the basically radio play adaption oh, adaptation goodness. of the Sandman it is magical it is how far into it does it go it um it's the first 
uh, it's it's like that first whole story cycle. So okay, everything from I forget what the the names of the chapters are, but um, it's everything from um. Him being released. Yes, him being released up through meeting serial with killer his convention. Sister. Yeah, up through meeting with his sister, um, and uh, I'd have to actually look, but um, but it goes pretty far. Like I okay. like, and and I'm telling you, I've 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 never <laughs> I've loved that that genre, you know that that format, that media, the radio yeah. plays and stuff like that, and it's just next level. And if you have any interest at all in passing, I highly recommend it. Um, and now they're doing a, you know, season two. So they're doing the okay. next chunk of Sandman books because it was. Does it good. does it go up to the point where Lucifer hands him the keys? Um, no, it doesn't go that far. No. Okay, so, okay. okay. So it's probably like the first twelve or so yeah. issues. Then, yeah. okay, yeah, it goes. It's like I have the the big leather bound <laughs> compendiums of the Sandman. Oh, so good. So it's pretty much that first book. And I'm okay. Just, I'm, and I'm I'm I I. If I had prepped better here, I'd tell you how far that An goes. An all-star cast, right? Oh, yeah. Great cast. Um, and uh, I don't have it in front of me. Or I and I think it's Audible. That's what's kind of throwing yeah, you, me off because I don't have Audible. So I've yeah, been just like looking at it from afar. Yeah, you can get it through Audible, but I think it's also available in other ways. Like um, I'm pulling it up. Like Cat uh, Dennings is in it. And oh, James McAvoy is the, the Sandman. Is Dream. That's and right. Samantha Morton, Samantha Morton, BB Newworth, and wow. Andy Circus, Michael Sheen, Neil Gaiman actually is the narrator voice. He's the really. He's the 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 box, you know, huh. and, and his voice is like butter. And um, yeah, yeah, it's a uh, uh, Taron Egerton. Um, it's fabulous if you have any interest in that sort of genre yeah. or that sort of media i just i highly recommend it I, it was a really satisfying experience yeah and it must be doing well because I'm, I'm trying to find two looking at google to see if how far it goes into it and i see a story here where it was just picked up for act two and act three yeah yeah so yeah so that's and they're also doing a tv series adaptation of sandman Yes, and I've uh, kind of been keeping myself willfully ignorant of it, just because I'm. I'd rather just like go in as blind as possible. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so it could be, you know. Yeah, it looks way. like from this it goes up to almost the Lucifer story because it's Preludes and Nocturnes, uh, the Doll's House, and Dream Country. Yeah, it has the first Lucifer story, obviously, when he's going back to get his helmet. Yeah. Um, and he has to do the the thing, but it doesn't have him going back and. Okay. Uh, Lucifer, trying to free. Doesn't, it doesn't get to Lucifer quitting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which I, is just still one of my favorite scenes of legit, any comic book where it's like, I quit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you right. can't do that. Yeah. I can. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I bet uh, the, the issue that I'm going to really want to see is the, um, one of my favorite stories there. It's like basically like a bottle episode um, where it's all uh, death basically uh, gives this guy his wish to to live forever and she Hob. meets him in an inn. Hob, yeah, and he oh, yeah. And basically uh, tell he talks about what he's done yeah. from the first time. Yeah, oh, super good book. Yeah. Have you? Do you know of Sandman, Scott? Uh, <clears throat> very little, no. Uh, oh, it's so good. Um, Hob, is, Hob is one of my oh god, it's so good. So good. Like you yeah. probably know him from Calvin and Hobbes. Maybe that was his. I'm looking up everything right now on it. Yeah, and this is—I think you can only get it right now on Audible, right? You might be right. I—I mean, I thought I saw it at some point on Amazon, but it might have been—it might have been the CD collection or something. Oh yeah, but I could be wrong. 
Yeah, it looks like it's on Audible Premium Plus. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I definitely, because I, I kept looking at my podcast, uh, place I get my podcast, and I would always, like, type in Sandman, and it, you know, never would bring it up, or it would bring up some shady version. I was like, I'm not going to download that, because who knows what's going to happen to my computer mm-hmm. if I do. Um, but so it's just phenomenal, like, just so well done. Love it, very, and surprisingly faithful. Like, you you kind of like, oh, it's a holder medium, how are they going to this, that, and everything. But they really just, like, if if you were reading the looking at the comic book panels along with the the thing you would just be able to follow along like you know and and it feels like every little dot is you know i is dotted and t is crossed and oh you can hear the fire crackling in the background because there's a fireplace in there they never mention the fireplace but if you look at the artwork there's a fireplace you know it's like that kind of attention to detail that they've done that's yeah and it's it, it's super cool that kind of stuff because um at dragon con every year when we when me and my friend jason would go um one thing they always do saturday night is the atlanta radio theater um does like a special live performance of usually like hp lovecraft or something like that right and it's kind of incredible like how they do all the sound effects and i love that all yeah. the characters super cool i think it's kind of getting back in vogue because of like podcasts there's so many like yeah radio kind of drama podcasts now yeah absolutely and, and then covid kind of made me go like oh i used to really enjoy this when i was younger and kind of rediscovered and it was just by sheer serendipity like suddenly they announced game and was doing a you know they were doing an audiobook performative audiobook of the whole thing and yeah Uh, i'll tell you uh, this has got incredibly good reviews on audible (laughs) it's Uh, so good it should this is like um one of the best comic books of all time and that's why Uh, that's why that's why i thought it would be fun to mention because I'm like, it's not the type of, you know, you guys, video games, movies, TV shows, you know, books occasionally. And I yeah. was like, this is something really different that if no, I like that, man, that's, that's a great yeah. recommendation. Buddy. The best part also, is when Sarah Dean comes, you put that much thought into it. Yeah. 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 When Sarah Dean comes on and she recommends some nonsense TV show, oh, I want to let her Dean. know. Yeah. I say, Sarah, Michael put so much work in here and here this you are. Not a Michael, have yeah. you seen the new punky Brewster yet? <laughs> hey, I, I met <laughs> punky Brewster. <laughs> <laughs> I met Punky Brewster. Did you? Really? I did. I was when I first came to Los Angeles. I was working um, as a production assistant type person, and I, my car broke down driving out here. So the transpo coordinator let me borrow a car to use, and I had to go to his house to pick it up or something. I don't remember the exact situation. And I go to the house, and this is a true story. I ring the bell because I'm returning the car and picking up the car. I don't remember anymore. So long ago, it was like ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and who answers the door but teenage, late teenage, early 20s? I don't know how yep. old you are. Punky Brewster, actress. Wow. Um, wearing Soul Moon Fry? True, yes. True story, just wearing a towel. <gasps> because oh my. I'm just telling you guys, you know, I was 28 or something. Um, because I had rung the doorbell and she was in the shower or something. Oh, and man. kind of, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, and I immediately was like, you're, and it turned out the transfer guy, and I didn't know this, was her stepfather. <laughs> oh, huh. true story. And she was wow. not happy, and I don't blame her. And yeah. she, she kind of was like, ugh, uh, dad, or blah, blah, he's here. Blah, blah. And, and they're like, you're funky Brewster. In a, in a towel. Sorry. Yeah. Um, this is embarrassing. True story. Yeah. Uh, is your dad, is Henry around? Yeah. Just, now she's yeah. like now she's like a mom and stuff and really, yeah, really yeah, yeah. active in the kids development community and um, you know, but back then. Yeah. Friend of the podcast, Corey, uh 
watched the whole first season of the new show and loved it. So maybe it's good. Uh, but Boston, we should Hockey wrap Redux. up. Okay. <laughs> I think that I think there's no there's no deeper no deeper into darkness we can dig this week. I so. don't think so. Uh, thank you again, Michael, for joining us. It was a wonderful experience. And also, um, at, at some point, I may try and uh, pick your brain as to uh, how to get into voice acting. Oh, yeah. Goddamn, I want to do it so bad. Yeah, it's something but, that I'm doing, uh, you know, I do some of. It's certainly something I'm also really trying to do more of. But I'm happy to, whatever. Yeah, of course. Well, just te- teach me how you got so lucky okay. to, uh, <laughs> to get into it. Okay, we'll see, and that's another reason why we have to have you back on the podcast now. Yeah. Anytime, I didn't even Absolutely. get to tell my stories about my nemesis. Anyway, that's what we're gonna do on the next time. Part, Sarah, part two. Part two. Sarah's next time is gonna be garbage. What's she gonna talk about? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, it was a pleasure <laughs> to see everybody tonight. Uh, good night, Internet. Uh, we were BRBFK, and we will see you all in the next one. Goodbye. Love you. Bye. See ya. Somebody's taking the train to Sleepy Time Junction. Somebody is so tired he can barely function. So he's hopping on that train to Sleepy Time Junction. Somebody's taking the train to Sleepy Time Junction.